we speak of television, it's just uh, ridiculous and destructive. It kills us. Talk shows will kill us. They kill our language. So we have to declare holy war against what we see every single day on television, commercials. I think there should be a real war against commercials, a real war against talk shows, a real war against Bonanza, Rawhide, all these things. And with that, <laughs> we are back. Woo! Oh, summertime. Yeah, we're getting we there, man. It. Summer, summertime. <sighs> it feels like, Steve, just... It was like a hops, hops, what is it? Hop, skip, and a jump. You got it. Uh, yeah. From, <laughs> from the last time that w I asked you, like, what was your favorite, like, summer tune? Remember that episode? Man, it feels like that. that oh, was, yeah. Yeah, that was not too far ago. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. We are flying. We had we had quite the spring here at Movie Food. And um, yeah, summer has been great, but up up until the last couple of days when the air quality has been awful out here, so you know. Oh, it's the same for you guys too. It goes yeah. down all the way. Oh it's, wow, yeah, it, it's hitting us a little in in mm -hmm. North Carolina. Definitely not as bad as it is up up in in the Northeast. Shout out to Amanda and the whole yeah. crew, like all your friends out there in NYC. Right. Ho hope it improves and we can get back to those those good summer vibes. Because as of last week, man, the weather was perfect rocking my shorts i was feeling good <laughs> yeah meanwhile out here in socal we're having like june gloom it's right. like no sun it's just been dark <laughs> like, it's so it's bizarre weird. when that happens <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like everyone gets miserable i'm mm. like like i remember like a couple summers ago it was like it was dubbed the white girl summer or like hot girl yeah. summer <laughs> yeah i remember and that then, and yeah. then there was like this the white boy summer. White summer, yeah, Chet Hanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Shout out to Chet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like after watching Beef, you know, I've started Beef, um, and I'm you know as as hardcore music and mosh pit stuff starts to it's it's really growing the last couple of years. I feel like this is like I'm trying to dub this the summer of anger. You okay. Know, just trying to get that going a little bit. Um, you know, cause I feel like anger is making a comeback and it feels Ooh. really good. Um, yeah, okay. but we'll, uh, but I just don't know if it'll hold like white girl summer. Like that was pretty legendary. Yeah. We'll see. Like, I guess this, um, uh, the air quality leaving people cooped up and then mm -hmm. June gloom out here on the West coast, like people are less inclined to go out. Maybe that's gonna lead to a boiling point, you know, where people just have to go out, you know? Oh Yeah just unleash but in in the meantime yeah you know now's a good time to bang out some tv shows and movies and that's what we're here for oh hell yeah so just relating to the intro we have a very special episode of movie food where we're actually forgetting our name for a little bit and we're actually going to be focusing on tv that's right and changing we're changing format yeah <laughs> exactly everything is leaning towards tv this episode and um we've been planning this for a while now it's a long time coming and you know um uh i had some tv shows in in my uh best of my favorites of the year last year list mm -hmm. uh, when we did that episode um so there is that debate that's ongoing with regards to uh, you know, is TV, you know, on par with movies? Is it cinema, you know, like with mm. long form? Um, is it better than movies? That's another, like, uh, question that people tend to ask. And um, uh, my answer to all of that is no. 
but mm-hmm. <laughs> in just Strong. a pithy Strong way. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But over the course of this show, we're we're gonna be like detailing why it it, it has its own value, you know. And probably yeah, I'll answer that question too of, of why oh. it's not on par with with movies. Um. And who knows if it ever will because of just things are changing and and. And Steve, you and I are old enough mm. to remember when summer was like the most boring time for TV. Oh my god. It would be miserable. Right, exactly. All the sh- all the summer shows that would debut or that they would br- try to bring back were just like really awful and you'd have to sit through, you know, like talk shows and political mm. shows and all this stuff and like yeah. There was there, there wasn't any new, you know, Simpsons or you know, yeah. It was all repeats. Exactly. Like summer was just all for repeats, and the craziest thing is this is the time when we're not in school. So I guess it it worked out in a way because it 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 made us go out and play instead of sure. staying home watching yeah. TV all day. But all the best shows are always like when we're at school, um, and yeah, so it, it, that was the thing. Like kids these days don't realize how good they have it with <laughs> streaming services. I'm like so old, but totally. yeah, like yeah. I remember, yeah, being like a kid, so being like 10, 11, and just trying to get into like the Golden Girls or trying mm. to get into whatever sh- the Empty Nest, like whatever sitcom that was coming out in the summer that was uh, relatively new or whatever they were just putting out and just realizing this is all I got. I have to try to, <laughs> I, have, I have to try to enjoy this. Yeah. And it's like, I mean- so it's like as a young guy trying to relate to like these old, women or what you know whatever it is like that's all you got so you know you right. kind of had to yeah i mean i got into baywatch because <laughs> that was just that was oh, all that was all that was that one <laughs> i that one I, I understand getting into i'll be there i mean it's yeah. just so funny how those episodes also were just so formulaic like they always had like a music montage mm-hmm. in the middle of the episode and yep. it was always like whatever it was there's always like i guess kind of like nine one one or or any of those um, emergency TV shows. Sure. So somebody needs rescuing, and then you know by the end of the episode they get rescued. Like you know, I, it's rare that somebody dies or anything like yeah. that. You know, yeah, like it's it's funny. Baywatch clips make the rounds somehow in my IG algorithm. And oh, it, okay. It, it, it it'll be like when Mike Piazza or some other celebrity had a cameo. <laughs> what how they would write these characters into the plot of Baywatch is always so ridiculous like Mike Piazza he, he's playing for the Dodgers and he's practicing his swing at the beach and then a girl <laughs> who's like who's maybe up to her knees in water just uh, is like drowning you know and yeah. so he, he goes <laughs> to help and then she is like hey aren't you Mike Piazza <laughs> you know oh uh, yeah then, I mean it's, it's just all stuff like that it's so funny yeah, did you ever see that? That um, I don't know if that clip ever made the rounds, or you saw the episode where Alex Trebek shows up. Did you see that one? No. Oh man, that's a classic. I think <laughs> okay. my favorite like uh, iteration of Baywatch was probably like I guess the third generation, because you know the first generation was kind of like Nicole Eggert and Pamela Anderson and Erica um, yeah, obviously David Hasselhoff is like in all of them, other than sure. Baywatch Hawaii, but um. Uh, then the second generation was more um, Yasmin uh, Bleef. I-, I think she was still part of the first generation. Oh, okay. Um, uh, what was her name? I'm blanking. There was another blonde girl, but um, uh, the third generation was like um, 
It was Brooke Burns, who's also okay. blonde, and then um, uh, Mitzi Kaptur, who I had like a crush on. She's one of the older like women uh, who works for Baywatch. She's like on initially she's at odds with Mitch like they're yeah, <laughs> really getting into it so they but then she becomes like co-captain of Baywatch oh nice and then um, and this is when Hobie's a teen already <laughs> yeah so that that was my favorite iteration and that's also you know the whole uh, plot line where Alex Trebek shows up is um is related to Mitzi Captors. I think her character's name's Alex as well like she ends up uh um like she get she books a slot to be on Jeopardy, um, but you don't see Jeopardy. It's it's a, it's just an interesting way how it gets to Alex Trebek at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean th- those episodes are fun, you know. Um, oh. But yeah, obviously TV has come a long way. Um, you oh, know, yeah. uh, now you're not just limited to what's on. You know, you can choose what you want to watch, but. It's funny. I don't know, Steve. Like, when was the last time you just watched like TV? Just like whatever was on. When do you God, still? I f- I feel like it's been f- at least seven years. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah, been a long, right. long time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the funny thing with me is like, um, it, it well, happens. I actually, I actually know. Corrections and retraction. Um, okay. Whenever I'm in hotels, sometimes oh, there you go. Sometimes yeah. then I'll I'll flip around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's weird how even normal TV, like, I guess even if you have cable, like, everything is kind of set to be, like, um, it's almost on demand. Everything is on demand. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of, of YouTube TV is that whatever it is you're watching, like, you can, like, their um their DVR is infinite. So you can record as many shows as you want. And then you can also rewind stuff as you're watching it, which is just wild, you know? That, yeah. We're at that point and we have YouTube TV here in the house and, you know, mm-hmm. we, we normally just use it to watch sports, but sometimes like, you know, I use it to watch um, some to be current with ad- adult swim shows and stuff like that. And that's going to mm-hmm. come up later on. Nice, um, nice. But also it is funny, like when I set up my Samsung TV, it comes with Samsung TV plus like as a just um, a free thing, I guess, that you get with it. So mm-hmm. it catches like channels on air like you know using wi-fi and um it's just weird like how sometimes i'll still stumble upon it like it starts off that way by default sometimes um when i turn on my tv so i I like to like put it on a movie channel um like there's a paramount movie channel um but recently i just discovered that um there's a channel that just shows portlandia like non-stop what like yeah it's a portlandia channel like all it does is just like it's a non-stop marathon of portlandia episodes and because you know it's like so episodic until like Mm -hmm. later seasons when they kind of started doing like single narratives per episode it's Mm -hmm. fun to like just stumble upon like oh yeah i remember this sketch you know it's like totally yeah yeah so a great um, show yeah it's just um fred armison in a wig (laughs) <laughs> that premise is already funny and then you and then you add it you know his writing and his skills and of course uh yeah carrie uh, brownstein carrie right yeah and, it's uh, like and, who yeah, knew great show yeah because i i first knew her from from slater kinney i had mm-hmm. no idea yep. that she had that comic talent totally. and yeah the the satire of the show especially in the early seasons is just so on point and it it was also prescient like it predicted a lot of things that ended up happening I mean, a lot of Port 
um, Portland locals hate that show. Right. Because, you know, they it's basically convinced a lot of people to move up there and, you know, um, they, that's sure. driven up the prices for rent. And, um, uh, famously, like, the bookstore what where they shot in, which was supposed to be this feminist bookstore, like, uh, they hated it when they shot in there because apparently, like, they, they, you know, they ruined the decor. Oh, you know, no. they were interrupting the business, you know. Um, so eventually, like, they banned it. Um, they banned this, awesome. the show from shooting in that bookstore. Good. Um, but yeah, those were some of the best sketches. I loved all the bookstore stuff with the women and women. Sure. Books. Yeah. <laughs> they were brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. Okay. So in the previous episode, um, I had teased that uh, I was saying that Jacob is the man. He got me an early gift and it actually arrived in the mail in between oh. episodes. It I did. wasn't expecting it to arrive so early, but it did. Um, what is so it? I, I'm gonna reveal it. Uh, I got the Over the Garden Wall soundtrack on vinyl from Jacob. So thank you, Jacob. I oh really my appreciate. God. it. That's such yeah. a great one. Yeah, that that was uh, the runner-up in our tournament for season one. Yep. What a run! And uh, I think it's a perfect thing to announce too on this episode since we're going to be covering tv shows so uh that i i got a tv show soundtrack one of the best soundtracks i feel and i mean jacob man you really are the man i cannot thank you enough and you know the reason why it arrived so early too was that because right now um the the soundtrack is still kind of out of print it's available for pre-order and they said they're not going to be doing the pre-orders till august so i wasn't expecting mm-hmm. that but what Jacob did was he got me a copy that um, was an older pressing of it. And it has the signature of one of the band members of the Blasting Company that did the soundtrack. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. And, like, the design of it. I, I think I sent you a pic, Steve. Um, cool. And it's, like, the uh, it's the Orange Harvest, um, mm-hmm. like, uh, pressing. So, it has, like, a orange splatter on it and it's beautiful so yeah thank you jacob i'm really gonna treasure this wow that's so cool so yeah steve just give us an idea what is your current state of tv watching i guess it's it's no longer we're not even calling them tv shows anymore they're series yeah so what are you watching right now like uh, how do you get into stuff sure i am almost all on on the recommendation you know, that's, that's, that's my main channel is friend word of mouth. Okay. Nice. Um, that, that in the YouTube, I'll, I'll go like, I'll spend a lot of time on YouTube watching concert footage and watching podcast clips and then, you know, get a, you know, something about a trailer or typically that'll pique my interest. And then that's how I'll go, like go seek out either a show and start to rip off episodes. You know, I try to find episode, you know, show episodes if they're on, youtube generally first okay. uh, right now i'm i think i think we're we're at least through five episodes of beef we're we're oh wow our, so you're halfway through yeah you're half, yeah. you're exactly at the halfway point yeah and and you know beef isn't in my top five tv seasons yet but i will say as far as um music cues in in, in the television show i don't know if anything can top beef like right now they they end every episode with a song that just touches my heart. It go it go it goes to that era from you know late '90s to early 2000s. That um, 
is just like right in my rock and roll wheelhouse. Um, so yeah, I'm really digging beef right now. Most, I will say most shows that I, that I do rip through are probably on, have been on streamers for the last couple of years, you know? So it's been like the HBO shows, the Showtime shows, Amazon, right. uh, Amazon prime, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we um yeah, if we want to discuss beef, shall we get into appetizers? Let's start start it off with Let's beef. Go. It's time for movie food appetizers, appetizers, appetizers. It's movie food appetizers. <laughs> I will say That's... beef is more like a is more like a, a main course, but yeah, but certainly the show fits yeah. in here at, at appetizers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, our main course for this show, um, you've already alluded to it, is going to be our our top five seasons, mm. um, of TV shows, and we'll we'll get into that um once we get there, uh, to the the main course. But um, yeah, with beef, it 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 definitely feels like when I saw it, I was just like, yeah, I gotta recommend this to Steve. It's just like <laughs> you have to see this, and and yeah, part of it was the um the needle drops and then uh, and then you know it's also mostly set in the valley and then parts of orange county as well Mm -hmm. so it it covers socal um it has that feel and um yeah it it really raised the bar of of what a netflix show is i feel you know Mm. like i i i I always felt like netflix shows are kind of fluffy yeah, right. This, most of them are just stuff to like watch while folding clothes. I feel like I'm I'm never particularly like compelled by a Netflix show. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, the, even the craziest thing about Netflix too is sometimes they'll resurrect the show that I really love, and then it will just come back as like a zombie show. I mean, uh, a perfect mm. example of that would be Arrested Development. It's like the yeah the fourth season and the fifth season are just man. I I couldn't even finish the fifth season. Uh, mm. Although I will recommend uh, commend them in uh, the fourth season for doing this whole like uh, um you know it it's not in chronological order like it's completely scrambled which you know made it really hard to follow. But I was like okay it's, at least it's trying something, you know and I and. Ultimately, it was a workaround because, you know, all the cast, their schedules had gotten so busy that they couldn't get them all together, you know, all in one go. So they had to, like, focus on each character to have, like, their own plot line per episode Hmm. um, and then just have them converge at certain points. But, yeah, Netflix, it's just their shows haven't. And to me, like, you know, they're they're definitely way below, like, what um, HBO or. Well, uh, Amazon is able to. I think Amazon has reached that level too with certain shows, you know. Um, uh, but not as quite as you know. HBO is what people deem to be the the gold standard yeah. for um, TV shows. But yeah, with Beef, I think it's the collaboration with A twenty four, and then yeah, the just the the cast, such a great cast with Steven Yeun and um, Ali Wong and um, uh, David Cho, who <laughs> the people tried to cancel. Um, right when the when the show was really like peaking, um, but I don't think it worked, guys. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, but I do have friends that are like they still refuse to watch Beef, um, really? because of of the David Cho thing, and it's just like wait, was it was it was his cancellation about making jokes on podcasts? Like, yeah, I forget what which it was. he 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 has come forward and said like yeah, I made that up. 
But people are like, right. no, that that sounds too real. You right. know, it's like we don't believe you either way. <laughs> it's like yeah. if it was, we believe the the worst thing about what you said. Not, not yeah. like you, you know, if people can just check like if this woman even exists. You know, sure. it's like nobody's doing any kind of due diligence or research with this stuff. It's just like, yeah, we want to cancel you. You know, you became a multimillionaire because of Facebook. So, uh, yeah, you know, you sure. deserve to be canceled. But you can't cancel him. Like, he's he's independently wealthy. He can do mm-hmm. whatever the fuck he wants, you know? it's like, Yeah. Um, he's a really unique individual, no yeah. doubt. Um, yeah. And, yeah, true, you know, K-Town Korean. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of TV shows, too, he has his own show, actually, on FX. It was only three episodes. And I don't know oh, if right. FX is going to continue it. The um, Cho show is yeah. brilliant. Yeah, right. I think it's it, like it, it's like very artistic, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, uh, I I've realized now that I I've, I've like um, I subscribed to his YouTube channel, and a lot of the stuff that went into Cho Show is stuff that he's been working on on the YouTube channel as like little skits and stuff because it's just it's drawing from so many different like styles and resources, mm-hmm. and it just um, there's something about it that's like it it feels so unique. It's not just like a sit down interview show, you know, uh, which is I guess its foundation, but then it goes to somewhere completely different. And you know, it's obviously him also dealing with his own demons, which yeah. he has a lot of. Um, and yeah, he's got a great slate of guests, you know. Um, uh, uh, Will Arnett, I think, was a standout mm. guest on the show. Cool. Um, uh, Denzel Curry's been <laughs> been a guest. Um, so yeah, it's worth checking out. But yeah, going back to beef. Um, yeah, those needle drops that you're talking about. Like, yeah, I mean, God, yeah, <laughs> the very first one. Um, Hoobastank, Hoobastank. The reason. <laughs> yeah. So they got Hoobastank. I think the third one of the third or fourths is Incubus Drive. Drive. In the last yes. episode was uh system of a down uh such a lonely day Um, oh really okay yeah i miss that one oh man but um yeah so i'm only halfway i'm just like it's it's part of the allure is i'm 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 itching to watch the next step um Mm -hmm. just wondering what's gonna be the music cue how is it how are they gonna keep upping it um and all that is you know to go with really fun cast and like a, a to me a really unique storyline yeah. where it's like you know the joy of 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 a feud the joy of a grudge the joy of a beef you know it's um and right. like really milking it um and doing it in a way that where it doesn't feel mean it just feels uh entertaining it's very mm. but it's such a unique idea and so i just want to applaud the showrunner the creator uh let's give a shout out to to, to this guy here we go it is lee uh, sung jin yes lee sung jin um yeah i mean it, it it is i'll be curious to hear what your your thoughts are once you finish the show sure. because in, in terms of like i guess how the stakes are mm-hmm. um uh, and how the events happen on the show um you'll see <laughs> but yeah. um it's definitely uh, insane you know it's like it's not quite grounded which yeah. is but it's also it's working though it's it's yeah it's, it's a good recipe yeah and i i think it ties to what you brought up earlier with the summer of rage you know summer of and anger. oh yeah yeah summer of anger it's like um i think 
it's it's been a very cathartic show for a lot of Asian Americans because mm. they often feel like they're very passive or like passive aggressive and they don't really let out that anger. Mm-hmm. Um, so this show is like, oh, finally, like we get to see it in a show. You know, it's like this this thing. I mean, it's yeah. not cathartic for me because I I express my anger all the time, uh, nice. <laughs> somebody nice. to a fault. But uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm never passive aggressive. I'm always aggressive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a thing. It's symptomatic of Asians. I mean, have you ever heard of this term? I only found out about this recently. Mm. Um, spam. No. It's a shy, passive um, uh, Asian male. <laughs> <That's> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just learned about this recently, and I was like, yeah, that 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 is a thing. You know, that really yeah. is a thing. Like, there's a yeah. lot of, you know, Asian dudes that just are very, you know, they, they're just sitting on the sidelines, and, yeah, they, they're they they're not really um participating, you know. <laughs> they're, Man. Yeah, they're Man. missing out. Yeah, yeah that- and that's really it. That really hits me. That hits a note for me. It's just like, because I think there's a part of me that really does want to just keep it easy, stay on the sideline, not get sure. angry. So that's that's a real like growth edge for me personally is to like actually let that anger out, be direct, ask for ask for what I want. Right. And so yeah, that's that that's pretty interesting. I like that spam. Yeah, spam. Yeah. So it's it's something I I think a lot of. Asians need to overcome but mm. yeah I mean yeah from Filipino culture I can I can sense that a lot too there's a lot of spam Filipinos sure <laughs> and uh, that makes it even more ironic because you know there's there's a lot of spam food <laughs> dishes uh, yeah uh, and Filipino food too um yeah so Let's do you have any more thoughts on beef before we move on to the next thing uh no I think we can move okay. on if right. if I come up with something else I'll I'll shout okay. it out but yeah I'm digging yeah so something this this is actually the thing that I guess launched this episode was you texted me about White Lotus season two which is on HBO yeah. and you know at this point in time it's now kind of become HBO's flagship show because uh, as we'll discuss in a bit um, you know we bid farewell to a lot of HBO's flagship shows mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah uh, you obviously saw White Lotus season one as well and for most people who haven't seen either season um, they're kind of independent of each other but there is one character that gets carried over from season one and I think that carries a little more weight as the season progresses if you've seen season one Um, but yeah it's always been meant to be like an anthology show where basically um, well initially it was actually just supposed to be a limited series but it uh, you know global events made the show like the perfect show for HBO in in the sense that it's like hey we're just going to be shooting in one location but it just happens to be in an exotic locale Um, so the White Lotus is supposed to be like this chain of of um, luxury hotels you know Mm -hmm. um uh, around the world so the first season takes place in the white lotus in hawaii and then the the second season it, it's in naples napoli right um yep. in italy yeah so um so yeah and i think the show is going to progress that way even though yeah initially i think it was only meant to be one a one-off like a limited series now wow. i think they've removed that tag and it's it's going to continue there's going to be a white lotus season three so wow amazing yeah. Do we know anything about that season yet? Um, I 
Yeah, I don't know because it it almost feels like if it had ended with season two, it would be okay. You know, it's like we, it is it's a closed loop. You know, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas you know we had that carryover from season one, and I'm I'm tiptoeing around stuff, but uh, you know that's part of I think the joy of it. But also we should say like the the pattern that every season of White Lotus has followed so far is that it always starts off with a dead body, and you right. don't know who it is. Um, and then the basically the the show like rewinds back to like a week before leading to this incident of how we get to the dead body. So part of the fun of the show is watching uh, all these cast of characters and they're all very well written. I mean, it's, it's written, directed by, uh, and he's also created by Mike White, mm-hmm. um, yep. who, you know, he wrote Chuck and Buck. He also wrote um, Orange County, the movie <laughs> with right. Jack Black yeah. and Colin Hanks. Very underrated movie, I think. Um, and... Uh, and yeah, he, he's kind of become, you know, this TV creator on HBO. He had another show with Laura, Laura Dern called Enlightened, uh, which I've never seen, but I am curious now. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he wrote and directed every single episode of season two. And that was the whole thing. Like, it's just a pretext with the dead body mystery, but it's more about these characters, these cast of characters. And you try to wonder who of these characters uh, becomes the dead body. And um, yeah, just a quick question, Steve, before we get into season two. In season one, who did you think was going to be the dead body? Oh, good. Um, so, you know, I think my first thought was Shane. Shane being the um, the newlywed husband Mm. who is obsessed he's he, uh him and alexandra daddario yeah are are there on their honeymoon and he you quickly see that he is unnerved or kind of unedged because he didn't get the room that he wanted yeah oh and so and that small slight has now kind of thrown off his entire um experience and it's kind of it's ruining uh, it's ruining his honeymoon. And so, yeah, I, I think that was my initial thought of like who was going to die. Um, did you have a, a leading candidate? Actually, I, mine was the same too. I thought it oh, was cool. him as well. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. He, he was, he was a very unlikable character too. So I think that's part of the genius of, of Mike White. <laughs> it's just that, totally. you know, it, it instantly makes you reflect on, you know, how you feel about these characters because you wouldn't really go to a place where it's like, oh, I like that character. Why would I, why would they be the dead person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's a recurring motif. There's always this thing of the class issue that, you know, it's it's a lot of lower class people who, who work or natives who work at these hotels whereas you know it's it's a bunch of rich people who can afford to stay at this hotel and they have these outlandish and ridiculous um you know expectations Mm. um and you know of how they they want to be served and how entitled they were they are and you know there's always like that character who who's kind of new to the you know nouveau riche like you know world and Mm -hmm. they're they're having trouble adjusting especially if they have like kind of more liberal views so um that happens in season one and then it happens again in season two and both both seasons have great cast but i slightly give the edge to the second season 
Uh, yeah, I just preferred the, the cast in the second season because there's a lot more, I feel like, lesser known faces in the second mm-hmm. season. Right. Funnily yeah. enough. Um, yeah, because you mentioned Alexander Daddario, Sidney Sweeney is in this, Steven Zahn. Sweeney Dog, Sweeney Dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then yeah. Corrine, Corrine, uh, um, yeah, who, who plays Steve Zahn's wife? Oh, I'm blanking. Yeah, what well, what is her name? And then uh, Jennifer Coolidge, obviously, because she's the one who carries over into the second season. Um, uh, but yeah, is in there. Um, White. Okay, so season one. All right, um, you you keep vamping. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, for the second season, we have F. Murray Abraham, who's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of um uh, Michael Imperioli. And it's just incredible. Oh, he was so good in season two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, 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 it was Connie Britton. Okay, there you go. Yeah, um, Connie, Connie Britton. Britton. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, I mean, Aubrey Plaza, who's a massive star, obviously. Um, Haley Ru- Lou Richardson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was great. I mean, in in the first season, though, I, I think the standout really is um, Murray Bartlett <laughs> as, as oh Armand. God. Armand is a legend. <laughs> He's brilliant. Then he he got a lot of praise too for his episode um, of The Last of Us with um with Nick Offerman. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, it it was like a one off episode of, of The Last of Us that some people did not like because it really deviated from the game. Um, but uh, I thought it was a, it was a very good episode and um, uh, yeah, and both of them were great. Um, so yeah, Murray Bartlett and um, uh, Nick Offerman. Uh, yeah, but yeah, in the second season, uh, there's also uh, Simona Tabasco who plays one of um, Lucia and mm-hmm. um, Eleonora Romandini. I think is her name. Are, th- uh, are those the two girls who play the prostitutes? Um, no, uh, Elen- sorry, Eleonora Romandini is the the concierge oh. with the beautiful smile that <laughs> Valentina. <laughs> the- yeah, yeah, that um, uh, Murray Abraham is flirting with. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we also have... I um, uh, haven't seen him before, but he was pretty good, too. He plays Michael Imperioli's son, um, Adam DeMarco. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, his plot line is pretty central to, like, how the events um, unfold. But, yeah, there, there's just something about the second season, I guess, because... He's he's really done, uh, Mike White has like really done such an incredible job of setting the table for us, and you know, kind of, you know, surprising us um, in terms of what we expect to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he subverts those expectations, and you know, that's kind of a a phrase that people kind of frown upon these days. This whole thing of like subverting expectations, because you know, sometimes you get you know the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And you know that that movie completely subverts expectations, but in a bad way. Whereas with with Mike White, like he he just used that whole mystery with the dead body as a framework, kind of as a throwaway, you know, because what he mm-hmm. really cares about is the characters, you know. Yeah, and they're just so well written. Um, and I'm amazed too that uh, you know Jennifer Coolidge. Um, you know, is kind of like his baby, like because she's the character that provides a continuity between the two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yeah, her story is incredible. Um, and it also has um, uh, like a great score by uh, Christoph- Cristobal uh, Tapia de Vere. Mm. 
it's like a really odd, strange score. I mean, he's he's one of the more unique, I I think, composers we have, and he's gonna come up later on in the show too. I I have I have another show that he composed the music for, which is incredible. Um, and you know, it, the lost art of opening credits, you know that the, oh, <laughs> that right. White Lotus they has, are very you know, nice. yeah, yeah. Because aside from Cristobal's music, it's like the um. There's a lot of foreshadowing, especially with the with season two. I notice it even more with that uh, the fresco and the mural, where you're seeing certain things mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, this could potentially. And I, you know, I don't really want to spoil it. It makes more sense as the show progresses, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, you, you had like, and I think you brought this up in our in our favorites of the year uh, episode. But you had like you said a ranking. For yeah. the characters in season two, yeah, I can't, I can't find it right now. I, it must be somewhere <laughs> on my Twitter, or, or it, maybe it's on the movie food one. Mm. But um, yeah, I create like I create a power ranking after every season, of you know who's you know basically who who is the most evil character because essentially <laughs> each character there's a you know much like each person in real life there's a you know we're all on a ratio we're all on a sliding right. you know thing. Um, and at any point, you know, you, you could be more good than bad, you know, at, you know, at that point in your life. And so I want to ask you, um, from season one, what character do you think was the most evil in season one? Cause I'm kind of split between two. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> so, so let me just fill you in on the storyline. So you got, you got Shane and, uh, the, um, Rachel on the honeymoon. Yeah. You got um Sydney Sweeney and her friend Paula and Paula is dating that guy Kai who does the the robbery. Yeah. You have Belinda who's like works as the masseuse. Uh she's interacting with Tanya who's going to like fund her but then ultimately pulls the money away. Yeah. Um you have John Grease kind of sneaking in as He's also in the second season. Yeah. yeah as as Greg. like as, as he's someone who is falling in love with Tanya in season 1. You got Armand who's trying to hold it together but really just wants to get nasty with everybody. Um and <laughs> and, and, and ultimately, you know, take takes a shit in uh, Shane's suitcase. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man. God, so um, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it is very good. I mean, it, if seasons two didn't exist, like season yeah. one on its own is is perfect. Uh, I I will just say, I guess, yeah, you're right. There is like the scale of mm. evil. Um, but there are some characters that feel like they're they're kind of absolved from it. Like I feel mm. like yeah, Belinda right. is exempt, and for some reason there 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 is this kind of bias towards um. Rachel Alexandra Daddario's character, mm-hmm. where she's kind of the victim, in right. Um, yeah, even though it's like that when Molly Shannon shows up, who who plays her mother-in-law, um, it oh, yeah. you kind of see also where she's kind of uh, she's complicit as well. Yeah, uh, where Rachel is complicit because it's right. like she she had all these aspirations of. Um, what was it? She was like going to be a writer, a journalist, a, a writer, a journalist. Yeah. 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 And all these things. And, and that, that is another recurring motif in the show is like characters who, who think they have this certain sense of integrity. Um, but 
you know it, it it's either compromised yeah or um or they're they're actually a lot more hypocritical than they think they are right. you know it, in the moment of truth they show their true colors in a yeah. way yeah yeah cuz um like uh yeah in terms of like it being a spectrum you know i <laughs> Armand is like he's doing some pretty shady shitty things <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's, he's also likeable. like yeah he's a likable character he's he's yeah. one of the I mean some of the biggest laughs on that season is from him yeah. you know it's yeah, like no, for sure the, the scenes involving him you know yeah like from both season one and two kind of what I get is that really like the people that are the most uh, morally corrupt it's mm-hmm. from some hip hypocrisy within them yeah. you know saying one thing but doing another thing you know whereas like in season two the prostitutes to me aren't as bad as some of the other folks just because right. they're upfront with what they're doing they're like hey we are we will hang out with you we will have sleep with you but you yeah. need to pay us yeah i think it's albie's fault for believing that it was sure. going to be something yeah. otherwise you know <laughs> exactly. like that's really it um it's funny though because uh, yeah, yeah so I, w- I would say it's 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 Shane because Shane is just like the privileged guy mm-hmm. who you know like is entitled and I don't think his yeah he he's gonna be any different you know? right <laughs> by, the, yeah. by the end of the show you know um, yeah like that's that's where I initially lean to just because mm-hmm. what he shows you is he is he is the poster boy of that kind of person who seems very real you know like yeah. a, a, a rich spoiled you know blue blood who's maybe done some awful things in their past but then as far as the show goes the person who to me is close is paula so paula is olivia's friend who's yeah Brittany, that guy kai yeah Brittany o'grady i like yeah, her Brittany. too she's very good. yeah great actress great role but mm. but i to me it's it's more about what she showed in the show. So in the storyline mm. of the show, she's friends with, you know, Sydney Sweeney's family and she's like in, but secretly she's kind of like jealous and is mad at them and kind of manipulates Kai, the guy who works there, into yeah. kind of extracting some revenge on the family and ultimately sets True. him up to then you know, um, you know, she, she, she obviously she didn't want him to get caught, but he ultimately gets caught. He takes the fall for her plot at revenge. That's true. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, yeah, Shane is pro- most likely the worst person. But as far as like who took the worst action, it was Paula. Yeah. yeah when I was, I was mentioning characters being hypocritical, she was the one who who came to mind, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. Because even um, her yeah. friend, played by Sydney Sweeney, at least like she's she she's just a mean girl, you know. It's like right. you can see that, but like as it progresses, like you know, Paula kind of has this sense, uh, like she actually thinks she's doing good. Like yeah. it, it's funny too the the books that they read. That's like a, a running joke in in the season. <laughs> it's like right. they're reading like these really complicated Lash. texts. Uh, yeah. yeah, so well, it's kind of well, like... it's funny. So speaking of that, um, Mike White is a fan of a certain podcast that we've mentioned on this show. And, oh, yeah? And that podcast influenced his writing of those characters. And I think he even asked 
that the actresses to listen to the podcast while they were preparing. Can you guess what that podcast is? Oh, it can't be Come Town. No. Listen to Come Town. Is it Red Scare? It is Red Scare. Oh, yep. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know, so they're. I think they're reading Poglia and Lash yeah. and all those kinds of books that 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 the Red Scare gals would. would yeah, that read. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and they they're also blonde and a brunette, <laughs> sure. like uh, Dasha and um, Anna. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that that makes perfect sense. Cool. Um, no, but yeah, they, I I I definitely agree. So. With the second season, who was your most evil? Like who on, on that scale? Like who was it? I think it ultimately was the gay guys. The, um, oh, okay, that's funny because mine is related to, but it, it it's kind of a spoiler. But should we just get into it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was just gonna say it's just it's just because those characters were actually after we're actually trying to attempt murder. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there there was somebody else, another character that was. Mm in the periphery of that and i guess for people who haven't seen white lotus season two like just skip like 30 seconds um so my my evil character is actually greg um oh yeah tanya's husband because um because that was the reveal right like the huge reveal was basically that he he he's he might actually also be gay like he's part of (laughs) their posse and he set her up for this yeah. thing to happen, you know, Ooh, um, that's a good one. That yeah. is, yeah, he he might be the number one actually. Yeah, and then the, you know, uh, this is how good Mike White is with foreshadowing because there's a there's an early part where you know uh, he and uh, Tanya are like in bed and they're having sex, and then all of a sudden, like uh, she freezes up and then she kind of pushes him off, and then she says that she had like a vision. You know, and she started dissociating, mm. and then you know that you know eventually led to um, wow. the ultimate betrayal. So, um, yes, and a spoiler, but uh, but yeah, it's just um, I feel yeah the other characters. There, there's a lot of characters too that are hapless. You know that just they don't sure. know any better, and that's how they end up. You know, Mike White also like subverting expectations in terms of like we're quick to judge. That's why I think. Um, uh, Theo James's character Cameron is a lot more nuanced than um than Shane yeah. in yeah, season I really 2 because he's the Cameron. the analog, right? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's yeah. the equivalent. Um uh yeah, I think Theo James was brilliant and just him and uh Megan Fahey, I think plays his wife yep. as Daphne. Um yeah, it's just you, we're, we're seeing them through the eyes of um Aubrey Plaza uh plays Harper and her husband um Ethan Yep. Um so we're we're judging them on that but as it progresses, you know, speaking of hypocritical characters, obviously uh, Harper is kind of hypocritical as well. Like she she thinks they're better than that couple, but at the same time like they have their own issues as a couple, you know. Um Yeah. So yeah, yeah like, like yeah, I really like that dynamic how the Cameron and Daphne couple, they're like, in, they're enjoying the vacation. They're having yeah. sex. They're, they're with each other. They're, sh- they're actually showing love and affection, even though, you know, under the surface, there's something else happening. Whereas right. Harper and Ethan are kind of trying to be happy, but you can tell they're, they're not quite in the flow 
although they are in integrity largely with each other uh, you know ultimately it it devolves when um you know ethan starts to lie about something but um but it, you know all, all that feels like real relationshipy conversations right. and issues it's like stuff that people work through and talk about and like in and, and um you know just just that whole concept of well of comparing your your couple to another couple and w- what are they doing? It's like that's like, yeah, that's one of the funnest things, you know. <laughs> exactly, um, you know. Yeah, I've I've been there. Yeah, you know, and th- this whole thing too of like doing couples activities together, like it's just, yeah. oh man, sometimes it's not really for me, <laughs> and that that's well, what it's, happens. It's just it's like it's yeah, the comparisons uh, mm-hmm. is what happens. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh um, my god. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with with the two prostitutes, or um, mm-hmm. you want to call them escorts, whatever they are, Mia and um, uh, what is her name, uh, Lucia. Lucia. Uh, yeah, they're um, yeah, the well, Mia's kind of new to the whole experience. Like she does, she's she's mm. not aware of, of what how it is. But you know, by the end of the show, she's like. She's a pro. Yeah, she knows, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, what's going on and how to, like, kind of wield her power. Right. You know. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think, uh, even though she obviously, um, uh, Lucia did exploit um, Albie, uh, you know, that's just what, that's in her nature. You know, <laughs> it's just what she's, she's going to do. She wants to buy that store. You know, right. that's, uh, and she enjoys her life in uh in naples you know in sicily so like why would she like leave that you know to go to america and like right again you know all the things that we learn about her situation it's it's fascinating and how that has parallels like the inverse parallels where um with uh hayley lou richardson's character and what she goes through portia mm-hmm. and like where she thinks oh this is all just too good to be true and you know, obviously, she's she's the assistant of Tanya, so mm-hmm. um, whatever happens to Tanya as the show progresses, it kind of trickles down towards her. Um, and yes, and so yeah, there, there's an inverse of that experience where she, what she's actually experiencing, is very real, and you know, the threat is real. You know, um, yeah. Uh yeah, and I mean shout out to that guy who plays Jack to uh what's his name? Uh Leo Woodall. Leo Woodall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was very good. <laughs> uh I think, you know. Super charming. Re- yeah, yeah like, but also just, yeah. the right level of menacing at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. It's like you can't yeah. quite trust him. Yeah, he, he was he was really good. Great performance. Um Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I I obviously I, I put that episode bull elephants as one of my <laughs> my favorite things of last year um especially because it has that that direct reference to la ventura which i mentioned in that episode mm-hmm. where you know aubrey plaza is like walking and i think she's she's high on shrooms um uh when this happens and it, she just gets this sense that all the men are like just staring at her and yeah. kind of stopping Mm-hmm. And um, it's not explained in La Ventura in the movie, but um, that's kind of what ha- that's what happens to Monica Vitti. And I think it's the exact same location, too. It's those steps with the stones. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she she walks past. I mean, I there's a great video on YouTube that just has the side by side of the two scenes. And it's just brilliant, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
All right. So I guess, um, yeah, I, I had all my appetizers are basically TV related. Uh, oh, but did you have like any movie related them um, or I did. appetizers? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you want to rattle yeah, one off? So, yeah. I, I, um, I watched a movie. So, uh, okay. so uh, on the last episode, you mentioned Max, th- this new yeah. app. Um, and so I, you know, I finally got it downloaded. And one of the first things that pushes towards you is a new movie. And it caught my eye cause it has the Sween dog and all right. it's 82 minutes. Perfect. Which, which here, that's what we're all about. Yes. And so it's a movie called reality. Have you heard of this reality? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I know every Sydney Sweeney project. So oh, cool. <laughs> probably an unhealthy amount, even though I haven't seen most of them. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen Euphoria, and I haven't. I, I want to watch her movie on Amazon, um, The Voyeurs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I I'm it's not, on my list. I'm not super. Yeah, I'm not super hip t- to Sweeney. I, I, you know, I definitely love season one of White Lotus, and I know she, she's in a bunch of things, and she's kind of like the it girl. Yeah. But um, I'm really hoping, she, you know, based on what I saw in reality, I'm really hoping she's more on that. Uh, you know, like, see, who's a who's like a good actress? I hope she's on like the Margot Robbie kind of sure. track, yeah, as opposed to like the Tara Reid track. Like, like I think, oh she, no, I, yeah, yeah, I think she can, I think she can make it. I think she she can yeah. pull it off. She has um, um yeah. an R-rated like comedy that she's been hyping with Glenn Powell that's coming out, I think, in September. I don't even know what the title is, but Dang. you know, some people are rumoring that they're dating. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, so well, um, it's any you know, it, it's a miracle for a young actress to get into this position of like uh, being the it person and getting good parts and pulling off good performances. So sure, way to go, the Sween Dog. Um, so yeah, reality, eighty-two minutes, and I thought it was pretty damn, pretty damn exciting and pretty damn good for a movie that's basically a, all dialogue. And, uh, you know, kind of seeing what, you know, how someone could squirm under an FBI investigation. So gotcha. I don't know how much you know about it, but it's essentially based on the true story of someone whose name is reality winner. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that so was a real name. This was a real name of someone Whoa. who, who okay. she, yeah, she, she was, she's ex-military. I think she was, she had some kind of like security clearance and she was working, um, some job doing translation while she was trying to get another deployment. And this was, I think in, I think in Georgia, I want to, yeah, I want to say in like Augusta. And, um, and um, so she has this job, but she, she she knows how to access NSA articles because she has special clearance. And so she essentially does something she's not, which is, which, which is a no, no. She downloads and prints, an article that discusses Russian hacking and oh method. man, and she did the Edward Snowden thing. <laughs> yeah, she did the Edward Snowden thing. She's 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 apparently sent it to the Intercept, and it took off. And the FD and and so yeah, that's exactly FD, what the yeah Edward yeah. Snowden did. He contacted Glenn Greenwald and yeah yeah. Um, and so this movie, it's all based on true events. It's has gotcha. a really cool kind of. Uh, starting point you know where like all the dialogue is from this recording that the fbi investigators recorded while they uh, essentially stopped her and talked with her while they searched her house so like oh um, 
And it's really, I thought that the director and the editor did some really inventive things with how, how, you know, so essentially some of the text is redacted from the recording of what you're hearing. So the way they visually showed that was really interesting. Like they would, as, as one of the FBI guys is talking, if something is redacted, he would just vanish for a little mm. bit and then come back. And so they found all these really unique ways in the in the directing and the editing and everything to kind of pull gotcha. this off and make it interesting and heighten it. And the acting is really good. Um, they talk about Tor browsers, which which I thought was fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dark and, web. Um, oh, the, yeah. yeah. And uh, and the ending is uh you know so essentially she i think uh the actual the actual reality winner i think is is um she might be out of prison already but um she she's under some kind of some kind of sentence until next year um and no, so that's the, light it, compared to what they're doing to snowden right <laughs> yeah and so it was like they tried to make an example out of her but it is lighter mm-hmm. I, I suppose but yeah. um, but yeah, it's just, but it's it, but it's just a really good uh, kind of what if you got raided and busted by the FBI? Like, what would happen? Yeah, um, and something yeah. happened recently, like this year, right? That somebody like posted something on Reddit or mm. like that happened, and that person got caught because they were just stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 and they were also leaking. Uh, classified documents and I mean you know the the wild thing about this is like with the the punishment that's levied on these 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 you know um uh, whistleblowers I guess you can call them um it's like things that people need to know you know mm. like Edward Snowden basically revealed that and yeah I don't know if this is gonna put us on on FBI watch, but you know, you oh reveal that. Yeah. It's like, they're listening to us, you know, everything yeah. like they're tapping into our phones or our computers. It doesn't matter if your light turns on with your webcam, like it's, it's still recording you. Yeah. You know, yep. they're yeah. doing all these things. If they want to get you, they can get you. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're using signal. It doesn't matter if you're using the tour or, yeah, or, or, or a VPN, or, or, like, you know, what yeah. VPN's going to do nothing. Yeah, if you, um, if, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if if it's your turn to get got, yep. it's gonna happen. And and right. and you know, like, may, maybe privacy isn't as cool as we think. You know, like maybe it's it, it should be you know more about just like communicating what we want to communicate, having fun, making connections, etc. Um, but yeah, obviously, if the FBI or whatever comes after you, it's it looks based on this movie and and what you can imagine, it looks pretty frightening. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. yeah just a, it's just a, it it works both as like a cautionary tale and <laughs> as um a depiction of um you know of a thriller and what could happen to you. Yeah. Um yeah. All right. Okay, good to know. Okay, so I I, I have a bundle again. Let's um do it. and all my my um my appetizers aren't actually things that I've seen recently. I just wanted to focus on TV because of cool. of our, our our main course. Um, so I wanted to list a, a bunch of episodes and maybe talk a little bit about them of, um, of shows actually that are, um, they only lasted a season and oh. who knows, some of them have been canceled. Some of them, uh, may never get another season. Uh, who knows? Uh, actually one of them did get 
two seasons, but we're never going to get a third one. Um, so, uh, uh, the first show I want to mention is random acts of flyness, which is also, I don't know if this is the other weird thing with the streamers is that they've been purging shows and, you know, people have been kind of leaning towards like, you know, the, even today the you know, physical media was trending on Twitter because it's just of the whole um, French connection debacle. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you've heard about that. Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's the other thing. They've been getting rid of shows. Like, uh, Max, you know, it's a totally different app, by the way. It used to be HBO Max, and then they made you download a totally different app to to use to continue using the service, and they basically discontinued HBO Max. Um, So a lot of of their shows and, uh, you know, movies are always being, like, you know, recycled and then removed and added back. But shows, when they get rid of them, they're gone, you yeah. know, and it's their own property. Like, you know, the the Max Purge was crazy because it was like there were a lot of animation shows that got they got rid of. And then also um, a one show that I enjoyed as just kind of like a comfort show was the Not So Late Show by Elmo. And <laughs> it was like Elmo's talk show. And he had like great guests and it was like such a fun, like, you know, just wholesome show. Mm-hmm. Um, but this show I haven't checked yet. I should check Max if it's still on there. It's called Random Max of Flyness, and it's uh created by um, and I think he directed all the episodes. Uh, Terrence Nance, mm-hmm. um, and he he's he's a unique guy. Like I actually met him one time. Um, yeah, and he's he's a really interesting dude. Like it's nice to pick his brain. He had, he had a very original um, uh, first feature, uh, which also had like a really long title. Um, and it was like about memories of, um, this girl that he had fallen in love with. And it's done in like all these different styles. So, like there's animation, there's, there's stuff that's shot on film, there's stuff that's shot on, um, on video, you know, so it's all these different types of styles and it, it feeds into random acts of flyness. And in a weird way, like, how would I describe random acts of flyness? Like it's kind of a variety show, uh, but like not all the skits are funny you know <laughs> i mean sure. it's about being black and that, that's the other thing too like the show is unabashedly like saying that that it's like basically if you're not black you may not get this yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like he basically made a show that is for black people but it's also like done in a fun and experimental way um and yeah it's too bad like i guess hbo just buried it it was like a show that was like it, it played at like eleven thirty on a sunday yeah. night so after all their main shows had had played and i mean you know with streaming obviously there's a there's a chance for you to catch up but yeah it just was barely promoted um and then you know terrence nance kind of um he was supposed to direct space jam 2 with lebron uh, but he left that project because, uh, I guess, of creative differences. And, you know, yeah. it's clear to see why they needed somebody who would just, you know, make Say something yes. stand. Yeah. yeah. Yes, man, who would just make standard things. I, I would have been curious what his Space Jam 2 would have looked like. Totally. Yeah, because he is a unique artist. Um, uh, but, yeah, it, it's a great show. Like, I, I, I mean, you know, some sketches are less interesting than others, but... I like that it's trying, you know, different things, that it's really taking risks of what what it can do. And there's like a stream of consciousness aspect of it that I also like. And it's beautifully shot right. too. Like, it looks you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I highly suggest that people check it out, you know. Um, 
Okay, another one-off. This is actually a Netflix one-off. Uh, so uh, it's the the show that the uh, Martin Scorsese directed with Fran Lebowitz called "Pretend It's a City," which is basically an extension of uh, Martin Scorsese's documentary "Public Speaking," which is about Fran Lebowitz. And the whole thing is that it really depends on how you feel about Fran Lebowitz and how you um, respond to her, and that's how you'll respond to the show. Uh, it it was also just meant to be a one-off. It's like a documentary that's just split up into like I think four or five parts, um, and it I, I think it's brilliant. You know, I mean, I I I do understand that like Fran Leibowitz has just coasted on basically writing two books and just does public speaking events and mm-hmm. <laughs> and is a very witty individual and like you know she's not always right either. I don't always agree with her, even though she thinks she is. Um, but yeah, her wit is just incredible. Like even at like an advanced age, she's just like, she's just sharp as a tack and, um, you know, it's Scorsese. So it's like, it's shot beautifully, you know, and there's just many, he's more in this than he is in the, the documentary public speaking. So there's just scenes of him just listening to her speak and then him just like laughing and they're just brilliant scenes. <laughs> I'm glad they kept those in. Nice. Um, but yeah. I think it's a lovely show. It's a great show about New York City, you know, and especially, I guess, how the city's changing, you know, because obviously when uh, Fran Lebowitz, she's she's one of those romantics who who looks back fondly on, on the good old days of New York City and laments what it's become. But at the same time, it's it's funny how all these people who, you know, praise how New York City was in the 70s and the 80s and, you know, they happen to be lucky enough to live there and maybe buy property there. You know they're they're also the most privileged New Yorkers now. You know? <laughs> they, yeah, sure. yeah. They they either live in like some rent controlled apartment or they own their apartment. You know, or maybe they even own a house in the city. You know, because they they locked out and bought something when, you know, <sighs> like the city was imagine. in shambles. Oh, yeah. That. yeah, right. So yeah, they they they're all in those those places. I mean, I think even Jim Jarmusch is one of those people. You know, he he lives in luxury in New York City. Um. But yeah, Pretend the City is great. Uh, I think it's it's one of the better Netflix shows. And I think, yeah, uh, I even forgot to mention too, um, uh, Copenhagen Cowboy, which is a Netflix show that came out earlier this year, um, was actually also very, before Beef came out, like I thought, yeah, okay, that's stand-up. But it's also like, it's more of a Nicholas Winding Refn uh, project than it is a Netflix show. You know, it's uh, it's funny what... Uh, Refn's like version of a show is which is basically oh I'm just making a movie that's split up into <laughs> several parts rather than he's like thinking in terms of sh- uh, like series like narrative is almost non-existent in Copenhagen Cowboy you know but I loved oh, wow. it yeah it's such a weird show I mean I liked it more than his show for Amazon um, uh, too, old, uh, too Young to Die uh, Too Old to yo- Die Young or is it Too Young to die old <laughs> i'm mixing up the titles but yeah um that you know you, you know what to expect now when you have a reference project so um hmm. yeah and then i also wanted to to mention as a honorable mention um uh, mind hunter uh, oh, yeah. on netflix which only lasted two seasons um and did, did it resolve i forget uh well it, it it's not really a show that needs to resolve 
uh, because you know it's an ongoing thing where uh, I think that that was a big aspect of it that they fictionalized John Douglas that they didn't make it John Dog Douglas and about him right. because then they could basically move Jonathan Groff's character to convenient places you know where he because he you know John Douglas didn't necessarily interact with all these serial killers like he was yeah. actually making these um, these observations sometimes from a distance or based on other people's findings. Um, so the fact that, you know, with with Jonathan Groff's character not being John Douglas, he can actually, you know, travel to certain places and be in certain places where um, it would have been beholden to fact if he, he was John Douglas. So mm-hmm. that gave them that dramatic license. But one thing that was left open, because, you know, I think David Fincher really imagined the show to keep going, was um, they kept on teasing about BTK. Uh, Dennis right. Rader, yeah. So he he's like he's teased in season one, and then we we get to see more of him in season two. But yeah, it never really reaches like its apex because um, I guess in 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 the time frame of things, you know, De- uh, Dennis Rader was like one of those serial killers that just was he didn't necessarily need to be killing all the time, and he kind of lasted for for decades. Right, you know, until he was finally caught. So I think that's what they were trying to do with the timeline of the show. Whereas I think it was good; it was supposed to come to a head in the third season, and obviously we're not going to get that anymore. Like, um, yeah, the um, the actors aren't being retained anymore. They've said that, and yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get, unless you know, it's Netflix. They'll bring it back when like nobody cares anymore. The actors are too old. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, it's a shame because yeah, I thought I yeah before everything I thought yeah okay that was like also an exemplary Netflix show even though I I prefer season one over season two I think season two it kind of got um I like the idea that it revolves around the different killers and in season two like towards the end it just starts focusing on that um the child killer mm-hmm. um yeah in Atlanta and like um uh. And yeah, I, I just thought that was, you know, um, I, I I grew less interested in it. Like, I, I like the idea of like, okay, now they're meeting, you know, Charles Manson or now they're meeting, um, who's that guy? I'm blanking on his name. The guy who, who smells shoes and gets off on the, Or they're meeting right. Ed Kemper. Like, I think Kemper, the Ed Kemper yeah. stuff was so good. Like, that yeah. was really well done. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, that's Mindhunter. And then my last one. Is um uh I think the greatest it might be even be one of the best like Marvel things ever, uh not just a Marvel TV show and they canceled it after one season and that's Modoc. Oh, uh, I, I miss I miss this. I, oh, I, Steve, I, you I, gotta I, watch Modoc. I I remember you guys talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's on Hulu. Uh, hopefully they haven't purged it. Um, and yeah, Disney would be stupid too because it it's one of their best shows. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's uh, it's uh, co-created, and uh, a lot of the episodes are written by Patton Oswalt, and he's the voice of Modoc. And I'm not the biggest Patton Oswalt fan, but I think this is his best work. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. And again, like you know, the reference points of this show are our reference points. Like you're talking about, like a lot of the needle drops from Beef. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the needle drops in 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 Modoc are brilliant. Especially, like, there's a whole, like, uh, episode that's just centered on, like, time travel. 
and it relates to like third eye blind and it's just like <laughs> yeah it's so good steve it's just man awesome. it, yeah it's like brilliant stop motion animation uh like it's a sitcom it's it's an adventure show yeah mm-hmm. it's an anti-hero show like it's all these things wrapped into one like i i it's just such a shame like and the the other thing of it being a one-off is that it ends on a cliffhanger so it's like yeah. we you know we're just left with like oh we don't know how it's gonna end like they were planning to continue it for season two so no it's so sad it's 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 the sad part of all of this great art you know art content is is um the view that it's it can be disposable or you know in a way yeah. by by the companies that own it you know if if it doesn't hit you know they're they're not going to continue it and and let it grow or um cuz yeah it takes a lot of resources to make this level of art yeah so it's just it's just a, it's just the sadness of of uh, of of just that aspect i, I suppose right that, and that, that keeps coming up again of just like you know how when when Max did that purge of their shows, like it was like oh, it was a one point five billion tax write off, you know, mm-hmm. for them. That's the reason why yeah. they got rid of them because also you know they don't have to pay royalties to the creators right. of these shows if they they're not streaming them anymore. And there's this whole like mystery, especially with Netflix. Like people are wondering how they're making money because it's just like they don't release their numbers, mm-hmm. you know, and like that. That's how. A lot of shows were, you know, deemed successful to like be renewed was their numbers, you know, like the Nielsen ratings and stuff like that. And now with streaming, that's a little more kind of, um, yeah, uh, it, it it's like obscured now, and we don't know. And and you'd think that that's the whole point is like if you have it on streaming, like it will catch on eventually, like you know, with word of mouth because it's just there. Whereas, right, you know, exactly. previously with shows, it was like, oh, if you didn't catch it that week, then, you know, you missed it. Well, yeah. You know? It brings up just, like, you know, like, what happened to shows like Ozarks, where it seemed like Ozarks was one of those shows that was in people's, you know, it was in the zeitgeist. You have big stars. And it just kind of felt like if that was on a, if that was a network show, that the stars could, like, leverage their position to get... Right you know they could see what the numbers were and if the numbers reflected what their popularity was at least amongst what we saw on social media and just like word of mouth then you know they could get higher salaries and they can kind of go the friends route or what what, you know whatever popular you know seinfeld where it's like hey you want to keep making seasons we see how good your numbers are you need to pay us right but when everything is behind this mysterious unknown um you know paywall deal yeah um some it's like curtain like <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, the, yeah yeah once you're behind the curtain like all the leverage is on the company to do whatever they want and it's um you never really know why right yeah and uh, yeah you mentioned ozark uh, I, I would say that's actually another excellent netflix show you know but um, yeah, I I feel like that that was a show that needed to end, <laughs> you know. Right. It just wasn't sustainable because there's, it, you know, it, one of the strengths of that show really was how it sustained the tension, you know, yeah. for so long. But you know, after a while, it's just like, man, how can they keep surviving? <laughs> it's yeah. just you, you gotta let it go. Point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, whereas I I feel like what why better better call Saul 
I thought was a really good show mm. was because it didn't ratchet the tension up that to that level. Yeah. You know, like it was maybe a season or two t- too long and, and maybe the season could have had a, f- a few less episodes. Um, Better Call Saul was able to pace itself, I thought, better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, actually, that's a show that I was initially skeptical about mm-hmm. because it's just like, you know, I already know how it ends, you know, <laughs> obviously right, yeah. it ends with Breaking Bad. Um, so I, I just didn't bother watching it. And I was also kind of skeptical about Breaking Bad. You know, I wasn't as high on it as everybody mm-hmm. else was, but yeah. I actually recently just started watching it and I was like, yeah, I'll give this a chance. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like the tone is definitely a lot lighter, um, you know, an episode in <laughs> sure. than, than Breaking Bad was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, like that, that first season of Breaking Bad was just like so high tension and high stress. Right. Um, you know, I, even subsequent seasons, like couldn't just go at that crawls pace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, I guess deviating from TV again, do you have another, um, appetizer, Steve? Uh yeah, I can just briefly talk talk about one. Um, okay, and this will be kind of my last one. So it's it. This is a recommendation from you from last app. Oh nice. Um, I got to watching the curve. Oh, the so short film. Yeah, the beautiful. short film. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen ninety nine. Um, it, it was uh I guess inspired by Romare, right? Like like what's yeah yeah what's what was his role. In he he was the producer of the film, but he also was kind of a creative mentor to Edwidge uh, Shockey. I mean, uh, people actually say that he he co-wrote the script. Okay, cool. but that hasn't been verified, or he even co-directed, which is just like strange to me. It's like, yeah, I think he he probably yeah. just let her direct. You know, sure. gave some suggestions. Yeah. So um, yeah, I really like the, the short. Another great wreck. Um, Excellent. You know, we kind of already talked about it last week. So the, the the only kind of new thing I just wanted to bring in was I thought, you know, I really like how it kind of captures the classic relationship conversation of women's bodies. Um, yeah, it's it's something that I've I have found myself in in some version of that conversation with my partner many a time. <laughs> you know, and and they kind of it's really fun to watch in the movie them kind of dance through it with, with, with kind of some grace, you know, like yeah. obviously there's moments where they both, um, where, um, the, the guy, I guess, I think it's this character's name is Roman where he yeah. maybe steps in it a little bit and is a little too male gazy. And she kind of like, Oh, do you just like me for my body? No, yeah. I I do love your body, but I like you for, for more. It's like that classic thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and I like that they navigate it and and it ends on a happy note. And ultimately, they both, uh, you know, you feel like they are on the same team. And yeah. I and I feel like that's where a lot of people in their relationships are trying to get with that conversation. And it's really easy with words and with you know innuendo and with you know, uh, attitudes to misstep, to take things personally, to then feel shame and to go back and to apologize or, you know, when you maybe don't have to apologize and to get into that, get into like an argument loop on this topic, which is, should be very connecting. 
I suppose. Right. Yeah, and I I think that's the beauty of um you know not to take away from Edward Shockey, but from from Romare's films is that you know they're so based on conversation that he captures all those different nuances of like people tripping up over what they're saying and like maybe taking it back. So it's like yeah, there's this even just the way you're describing it right now. I was thinking of like it's a dance, you know, they're like going back and forth in terms of dialogue. Which you don't really get, I think, in most movies that have dialogue. I feel like they they tend to just go like in a straight line. They're heading towards some sort of purpose, or it's like serving a purpose for the plot, you know. Whereas the dialogue in in Romero's films and in the short, it's it's more to do with, um, you know, how does that develop the relationship between the two people? Like, and it it doesn't necessarily happen in a straight line. It can, you know, go backwards. It can go forwards. It can zigzag, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love. And, you know, it, it's a quintessential, like, premise of <laughs> Romare when he first started making films, too, was just that uh, he repeated it several times in his uh, six um, moral tales, um, which is what he kind of started his career on. Um, and the the series of films, they were always about a man who's torn between two women. And I mm. love how like his first short that like deals with it, uh, the ba- Bakery Girl of Monceau, is a short film, you know, as well. So it, it's like it, it encapsulates it in that you know short film. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of taking my time with Eric Romare films, like you know, just parsing them mm. out. So uh, I still haven't seen all six moral tales, but yeah, I'm, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I have something else to look forward to, another yeah. Romare film, and you know, um, looking so, forward to getting into so, it. So yeah, if I was gonna try to get into Romare, where do you think I should start? I I think the Bakery Girl of Monceau is a good place to start, you know, because okay. it's a short film, you know, um, and yeah, it, it you get into his rhythm, because yeah, I I was initially kind of apprehensive to get into his movies because they're just so dialogue based mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i think we mentioned it um previously with um with amanda as our guest um because i think she mentioned a romare film um or no i think i did <laughs> sorry i mentioned because they had the 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 tale of four seasons the four movies um mm-hmm. on criterion channel um he has another movie called the green ray and that was i think my first feature of his I saw and it's in color um and yeah that's another great movie to to start because like uh that one I love how it's almost diaristic in the way that it um every scene begins with a date um so you you see the date and then the scene can last like only a few seconds or it could be like a few minutes it's really (laughs) incredible it's like okay that was just the highlight of the day that she folded clothes or like you know she had a, an argument over, you know, lunch about being vegetarian. You know, it's like, uh, and um, yeah, it's like this unique cultural thing in France too. You know, speaking of summer, now that we're getting into it, um, that they get summer vacation as adults. You mm. know, like uh, they're kind of like legally, I guess, required to do it. Though your job gives you a summer vacation. Like I think you you get a month off. So, like, everybody in France, like, plans their summer vacation, you know? So, it's Sweet. this whole thing. So, the the entire movie is about this lady just trying to stumble around her, her summer vacation where she's not quite sure, like, should I leave Paris? You know, should I go to, like, the south coast? 
of of France, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's what the film deals with. That sounds All fun. Right. Cool. Yeah, well, I'm glad you checked out the short film, Steve. Yeah, The Curve, baby. Okay, The Curve. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's it's a special feature on um, Eric Romare's um, yeah, Six Moral Tales box set from Criterion, but I think it's also streaming on Criterion Channel. Uh, I don't have a Criterion Channel anymore, so I can't really speak to that. Um, so, um, yeah, just before, I guess, you know, we, we roll into our um, uh, our main course, I just have two more honorable mentions and then um i got a scott take and then uh carlos cannon and they're all tv so Beautiful. yeah carlo <laughs> okay so my my last two honorable mentions were just two shows that i discovered last year um and i i watched them like back to back um oh. and uh it was like actually last summer i i watched them like i was um it was a weird summer last summer like i was just um mm-hmm kind of depressed a little bit and kind sure. of in a haze so i guess i yeah days were just like kind of flying by and you know part of it was like just the shows and um uh so i i watched reacher um you know the right. the, the amazon show that i had as a wine pairing for mark for death uh with alan richton and richton. i totally enjoyed it and you know, speaking of shows that you just kind of like had to get by with, like it just reminded me of those shows that I would watch, you know, during summer repeats seasons like Martial Law. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just had that feeling of that kind of Saturday afternoon, you know, kind of fluffy action show. But it's actually oh. better than that. And Alan Richardson's great. Like, you know, I think it's actually better than most action movies that have been coming out. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth watching Reacher. Totally. Yeah. And then the other show that, because I, like, I, you know, I couldn't get enough of this. I was like, man, I need to watch another sh- action show, you know, where the character's, like, just getting into fights and shit. Yeah. So I, I went back and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of The Boys, uh, another Amazon show. And, you know, the All right. one of the revelations of that show is um, uh, Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander. And I decided to go back and watch a show of his that he kind of broke through with but hardly anybody seen because it was a cinemax show and it's called banshee okay. um yeah and this one. oh my god it's so good it's now on max because you know obviously mm-hmm. they they absorbed a lot of the cinemax stuff and it's funny like people were making that joke that now that it's called max i guess like that cinemax won over hbo mm-hmm. even though you know they're just owned by the same company it doesn't matter right. <laughs> like yeah. cinemax was always uh, you know yeah, people have, you know, associated Cinemax with Skinemax and all that. But, you know, Cinemax actually had some decent shows. And I think Banshee was actually one of them. Like, I was genuinely surprised how good it was. Like, I, um, there was this Sweet. thing about, yeah, like, basically that Anthony Starr didn't want to get into any more fights <laughs> towards the end. That's so funny. his So his character has less fight scenes in the fourth season. <laughs> but oh like the show God. is unique because it was one of the few shows that actually had like trainers for the fights. Um, not a lot of TV shows had that, you know, um, allotted for the budget. So all the, the, the main um, actors in it, you know, were trained in fighting and the fight choreography on the show is incredible. And then it has like a theme tune that just like slaps, like it's just like solid, mm. like metal playing you know it's just incredible yeah like you know uh, that is another like trope i guess of streamers is that you can skip like 
opening credits, man, I play like the Banshee opening credits all the way through. Nice. Like, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a gory show. Like, um, yeah, it's surprising how gory it is. Like, uh, you know, it can be shocking at times. And, um, yeah, I think there is one fight that I, you know, I have to highlight. Um, uh, and I think it, it's, it's up there with some of the greatest fights in movies, even. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fight between, um, I'm blanking on the, the guy's name, uh, in, including his character's name, but he's basically the, the right hand, um, man of the, the main, uh, antagonist, Kai. Um, and he, um, yeah, he's like the butler, but he's also like the enforcer and he's kind of, you know, psychopathic as well. And he has a fight against, um, Odette Annabelle. Who was uh, who used to be known as Odette Usman? She, you know, adapted her um, her husband's last name. Um, she was the main character in um, Cloverfield, okay. and she's brilliant in Banshee and gorgeous as well. And they have just like this fight that seems to last forever, but their fight is incredible. Like it's one of the greatest fight scenes I've ever seen, and I think yeah. it takes place in the third season. Um, yeah, it's definitely on YouTube. Um, uh, but yeah, the a lot of the fights in 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 the show are just so well done. I mean, the plot is is absurd. <laughs> you know, the premise of it is absurd. But um, you know, it's basically about a, a guy, a criminal who's on the run. Um, well, no, he actually got released from prison, but then something happened, and um, we never actually find out who he is, which is great. You know, because I think the show also got canceled before. It's time or like it was like they let them know uh, when they were doing the fourth season that it was going to be the last. So they they had to like wrap things up. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, but we never find out who he really is because um, by the time he arrives in this town called Banshee, uh, the guy who was supposed to be the new sheriff uh, gets killed and he takes that guy's identity and he becomes the town sheriff. And, you know, it, it like the episode, there is the overarching plots and stuff because, you know, it, it, it's contemporaries are like, you know, basically um, the Sopranos and and those shows. It draws from that. Uh, I, th- I think Breaking Bad is also its contemporary as well. Mm. And um, and then, yeah, so there are like episodic things that happen and there's an overarching like um, uh, plot to it too so yeah it, it's very well done I, I I thought it was a great show and yeah Anthony Starr is brilliant so cool yeah, yeah. alright so uh, shall we get into my uh, Scott take let's hit it Scott take alright Carlo what you got Okay, so, um, you know uh, I guess the timing of our episode is also good in terms of yeah we are kind of in a lull in terms of main shows that like everybody would talk about, um, uh, you know, uh, like the weekly thing, like you know, it became mm-hmm. a thing to avoid Twitter on Sunday night because you know you were gonna get like spoilers for Succession and Barry, you know, right. and both of those shows ended. But another show that also ended, and I have to say, R.I.P. Bozo Pack Watch, is uh, Ted Lasso. Mm. <laughs> And it's funny tying it to um, to White Lotus season two. They talk about Ted Lasso, which is just so funny. You know, it's like uh, the couples have that conversation, and then you know it's now become a meme thing with Aubrey Plaza's character Harper saying, "I don't watch Ted Lasso." <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so yeah, I think Ted Lasso is a terrible show. Uh, <laughs> and Why which do isn't people love it? Okay, so yeah. I I fell under its spell on the first season too, uh, and the first season. So yeah, um, I think a lot of it had to do with it's just timing of when it came out. So mm. it obviously was released at the height of the pandemic. So everybody was cooped up inside, and they needed something to watch. And you know, they probably finished Tiger King. Um, so Ted Lasso was the new show, you know, because there wasn't anything else being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, you know, people would you could binge it because I think they they dropped the first season all in one go, and then you could just sign up for. I think Apple TV has the most generous free trials of all the streamers. You know, they give you three months. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, compared to like, you know, HBO, I think only gives you a week. <laughs> Max only gives you a week trial. But uh, so, uh, so yeah, you, you have the time and then you can even discover. And I think that that's on purpose because, you know, obviously Apple doesn't deal with like well-known IPs. They have, they want to, you know, come up with their own stuff, which I is admirable. But also, they also have a ridiculous, I think, standard for their shows. Um, which is really strange that also none of the shows are shot on iPhone. <laughs> You'd think that they would really be highlighting yeah. how great their technology is. Um, wow, so none yeah, of them. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that I know of anyway. And they seem to be shot with like very high-end cameras. And um, so that lasso came out in the, the peak of the pandemic. You know, people had nothing else to watch. And, you know there's something about it it's also even just the the message of it is different from other shows but you know i'll I'll bring up another show that's similar later on in my top five um which is that you know it's about kindness and like um you know being decent to other people Mm. you know um but the thing is as the show progressed especially in the second season i was starting to detect that something was off you know, um, yeah. because there were just ulterior motives to this kindness. You know, firstly, they uh, they kind of give you a reason why Ted Lasso is the way he is, why he's so positive, you know, and it, it's like a traumatic reason, you know, and it's mm. just like it was so heavy handed and, and unnecessary. And then um, and all the goodwill just like washed away. I felt when in the second season, it was way too long. There's like an episode that's just like pure filler. And it really was because they, they basically got commissioned for an extra episode. And you know, this, this term with TV, Steve, are you familiar with the bottle episode? Um, I, yeah. Remind me for okay, sure. So, for sure. I've heard it. So, you know, you, you have a limited budget and you have to stretch it over your season right mm-hmm. so they often will like save up most of the money for the you know the finale because that's where you want all the money to go to you know it's mm-hmm. like you want to go all out and um so uh certain shows will have a bottle episode where it's usually like not all the characters are there it's usually set in one location you mm-hmm. know just to save money and right, you know one okay. of the most notorious episodes is the fly from um from breaking bad you know that's a bottle episode um, um, so I guess they had a reverse bottle episode in Ted Lasso where it was like, they, uh, they wrote the season for, I guess, a certain number of episodes and they, they realized that they were actually required to do one more. So oh they had to write an episode in the middle of the season that wasn't part of what they had planned. And it, all of it takes place 
it takes place in different locations, but it only features one of the characters, and he's not even like one of the main. Like you know, it's arguable. He's it's the assistant coach, um, sure. who's also like one of the co-creators of the show. Um, so it's it's all about him, and he goes on this kind of pointless journey. And yeah, that episode was really the one where I just dropped off, and I was like, "Yeah, this show sucks." Like it's just <laughs> uh, like yeah, they've really lost all their their goodwill that they've developed in the first season. Like this is just going on; and it's too heavy handed, and like um, you know, there's a an unearned moment which is supposed to be kind of like very moving towards the end of the season, and like that takes place at a funeral, and I was just like, "Man, I just don't care." Yeah. Like, I'm at this point now where it's just like, yeah, this is all just disingenuous to me at this point. And obviously, Ted Lasso ended the same week as, as Barry and Succession did um, on HBO. And Ted Lasso is on Apple TV. And I haven't been watching it um, because I, I haven't signed up for mm-hmm. for the, the other Apple TV uh, trial that I could probably sign up for. Um, but uh, just based on, like, the the clips that I've seen from this season and like hearing that the episodes aren't even half an hour anymore that some of them are an hour long, Jeez. Uh, yeah I'm just like man yeah I, I I can't like that's it for me like I'm I'm out yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and you should have no sh- like like I'm all for ending ending something early yeah like it's not worth finishing just for the sake of finishing like you'll be fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, same goes for shows sometimes, yeah, that, that get canceled before their time sometimes, you know, it's like maybe that's that's for the best because, you know, only a week after it's can- uh, it ended, they were kind of teasing that the show might actually come back, but without uh, Ted Lasso. So it will be like a spinoff <laughs> without him. And I'm just like, no, just, yeah, stop yeah. it. Like, you know, yeah. Um. So yeah, Ted Lasso sucks. <laughs> oh, no, that that is hot. Yeah, I feel yeah, like well, people loved that show. They do. Two yeah. Years ago. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I think that there, there's value. If it had been a one-off like that season one, yeah, sure, great. You know. Um. But I think yeah, season two just went to show that like, you know, I think so much of TV shows too because you have to sustain it. You have to be able mm-hmm. to trust the creators, and I feel like. With Ted Lasso, I just lost all that trust. You know, it's like if you yeah. trust the creators, like you, you know, you, it can carry you through through anything. Like you know, mm-hmm. Sopranos is not like a perfect show. Like it, it had its ups and downs, and it had some terrible episodes. But because you trust David Chase and the way that he was guiding that show, mm-hmm. like you could forgive all that stuff. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, Ted Lasso just didn't have it, and I guess my just my tail end like kind of hot take with that. Um, is like you know, I I also think actually Succession is an overrated show. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I, f- I found trying to finish it tedious. Mm-hmm. I I I stopped. I kind of like stopped watching and then just watched like the last thirty minutes of the last episode just because I was like, all right, let's just see how it ends. Because you know, right. it's a, all of it. It seems like it gets boiled down to building the tension of like, okay, are we gonna do this? Yeah, we're gonna do this. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna do this, right? Are, are yeah. we gonna do this? Okay. Oh wait, wait, wait. What's going on? Fuck, fuck, fuck. No, no, no. You know, it's like that's the yeah, whole exactly. Show. Yeah, that's it. And they, they rinse and repeat it for four seasons. Like it's just like there's nothing different from season one to season four. You know, and the people are like, oh, the the writing is so sharp. I mean, I'll give it that. I mean, I actually am a big fan of Jesse Armstrong. 
But mm-hmm. I would say, like, you know, check out his other work. Like, you know, the stuff he oh. did with um, Armando Iannucci on um, on The Thick of It is amazing. You know, I mean, The Thick of It is actually a great show. That's actually one of my all-time favorite shows. And um, one of his first shows, which um, he co-created, uh, is actually, I think, his best show. It's a Peep Show. Like, I, mm, I think more people yeah. need to watch Peep Show. Like, it's... It's a weird show too. It's like it was on Channel Four in the UK, and it seems to hop from one streamer to another. Like it was on Hulu for a while, then it was on Netflix. So I don't know where it's on right now, but you know, if you can catch Peep Show, it's brilliant. I mean, it it even ha- has a unique premise because it, um, the entire show is um done through first person. So um, you're you're always yeah. shifting from one character's point of view to another. Okay, so apparently it's on Freebie. <laughs> it's on a Freebie, Plex, Pluto, all the the free advertisement <laughs> streamers. To be, right. yeah. Oh god, so it's, cool. That's where you can watch it. I mean, you know, so, it it originally played with ads anyway, so you know, you're not so really. <laughs> yeah. It looks like he wrote an episode of Black Mirror too in season one. Oh man, which cool. one? Did he do um uh, entire history? Yep, the entire history. Oh, of you. that's why it's so good. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why. wow. How did you guess that? That's awesome. Yeah, because it, it it was such a brilliant episode. You know, I, I that's one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. Oh, I think. Se- yeah. season six is debuting in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's coming soon. And, but talk about another show that Netflix kind of bought. <laughs> it's just not as good in its Netflix uh, iteration. You know? Yeah, I'm looking at um, the th- at the thumbnail for the episode for season six, and the thumbnail does not look enticing. <laughs> yeah, but they they have another all star cast. I mean, the last season was Sama so forgettable. Jeez. Yeah, the last season was so forgettable. I I think though people were too hard on the the first Netflix season, also because they doubled the episode the amount of episodes. We were so used to like just yeah. having three episodes per season, and then um yeah now they have way too many. But I think there were some good episodes in in the first Netflix season. Like I like the the first like uh, nosedive the Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Uh, episode where everybody gets rated. Um, yeah, that's essentially referred to in our household as the social credit episode. There you go. Um, yeah, which is might be a reality. I mean, that's another notorious thing about Black uh, Mirror is how prescient it can be. Yeah, the robot yeah. dog app. My yeah. God, <laughs> we're seeing those. Yeah, I AI. Will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um the app the app last season that I liked was Striking Vipers with oh, the guys. Yeah. In the video games. So shout out out to those guys just having sex with each other in the video game. That's that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, uh, (laughs) And yeah, it's uh, Anthony Mackie and uh, um, Abdul Yaya Mateen the second <laughs> they're brilliant yeah, and right. who who played their avatars you know that i i think i i was oh. palm clementine hold on i i need to see this i need to make sure striking. that it's her oh, striking cool. it vipers a, it, it, it had a 6.9 nice way to go striking vipers um palm um, clementine yeah that is her oh my god i love her yeah she's also yeah. um mantis in uh guardians yeah yeah very I knew that unique was her. Yeah. yeah french oh cool sweet yeah yeah there she's like french asian so um yeah okay. frasian uh <laughs> um yeah so um i guess uh yeah we're, we're, we're we kind of got sidetracked with um 
uh, I guess my honorable mentions. Oh, and then my Scott take um, yeah, with Netflix so. I, and stuff. We might be the Carlos Cannon. Yeah. All right. I guess it's time. Let's go Carlos Cannon. Carlos Cannon. Okay. Right. So this is another kind of recency bias type deal. So don't hold me to it. Um, but it's a new show that I, I just wrapped up recently and it started off as one thing, uh, like a prank comedy show, but by the end of it, Steve, I was crying like sincere tears. Like, (laughs) Oh my God. Um, so it's a show. I already mentioned it's streaming service freebie. Uh, it's a a freebie original, um, called jury duty. Have you heard of this show, Steve? Yeah, I have heard of this. Yeah. Uh, um, it's blowing up on on like at least one of my group texts. Oh, dude, you have to see it. And okay. um, I think Amazon realized how good the show is that they've actually just moved it to Prime, so now you can watch it without the ads. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny too because midway between like when I was watching it was when they did the transfer. So when I saw it was so surprising to suddenly watch an episode, it's like, oh, where's the ads? Like they're gone. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the basic premise of it is that, uh, it's supposed to be this reality show where there's a trial going on, a fake trial. Um, and all the, everybody involved in the trial is an actor except for one guy and he has no idea. God. And this guy is named Ronald Gladden and, um, it, it takes place in the Huntington Park Superior Court. Um, and it's just incredible. Like it's it's one of the best written shows, and obviously there's a Truman Show aspect to it because they're like basically mm-hmm. shaping the show around him, and just like kind of there's this whole thing where you kind of realize that all the actors are worried that he'd suddenly pick up on yeah, yeah <laughs> that it's on all something yeah. Um, and you know I I don't want to spoil it, but like you know it, it's beautiful. Just the way that they get to the ending of the show, it's so moving. And it's funny because, you know, I was saying how it starts off as kind of like a prank show. That's how they kind of promote the show. They're like, oh, from the producers of Bad Trip. But, you know, the thing with Bad Trip that I think doesn't get enough, um, like, recognition is just the fact that, you know, when they were doing those trip, uh, those pranks in Bad Trip, it was showing actually how decent people are and how kind they are, mm-hmm. you know. Um, even with the pranks going on, like, they're just, like, good sports about it, you know. And that that's really how I felt about jury duty. Like at the end, that's why I was in tears was because it's really about being a decent person, you know, yeah. regardless of all the chaos that's going around you. Like, you know, that's a true test of your character. And they they found a gem in this guy, you know, in Ronald Gladden. Yeah, like, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just such a, yeah, I was so moved by it at the end. Like, and Obviously, the people making it had a lot of fun making it, you know. Uh, the only thing about it is that maybe it might just be a one-off because, you know, now that we, we know it exists and probably the general public does, like, they can't pull this off again, possibly, right? Unless they find somebody who's, like, completely no, <laughs> you, you closed off. You have to off. do it as a different show. Yeah. But this but this reminds me, this premise, Have you? Did do you remember the Joe Schmo show? Uh, vaguely, but I, I've okay. never seen it. So this was a show I remember watching. and they, uh, So I have it pulled up now. I guess it was in 2003. The premise of the Joe Schmo show was kind of similar. It was it was a reality show. It was a fake reality show where it's like a bunch of people are living in a house. 
Okay. But everyone is an actor except one guy. <laughs> they think he thinks he's competing with all these people to like win a right. million dollars, like uh, uh, under the pretext that it's like kind of like uh, the real world. But you know, um, I don't know. I feel like there was a, a lot of those kinds of shows where it's like if you're the last person, you win a million dollars or or whatever it is. But then, yeah, the ultimate reveal at the end is that hey, actually. This show's all for you. Yeah. It's called the Joe Schmo show. Here's the million dollars. You know, I think they do wow. pay him. But yeah, it like in like and, and it had a pretty good cast. It has like Natasha Legero is in Yeah, it. I see that. Um yeah. and um Ralph Garman is is the host. But <laughs> he's um, great. I love Ralph Garman. Yeah. yeah. Um and so yeah, it's like after watching the Joe Schmo show, I was also left with that same question of like, okay, how can they do this again? And they never did, right? It sounds like they never did until jury duty. (laughs) So it's 20 years. There you go. Wine pairing, those two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, uh, so, yeah, it's pretty cool that they were able to kind of do it again. And it sounds like, yeah, that's the formula. Just do it as a different thing. Um, And so maybe they can do it in in like four years, you know? Like people do have shorter attention spans now. Um, And like things get memory hole right um, yeah and it, it, i think the overabundance of of um yeah of content too might be the yeah. thing because i i it, it, the um the show even plays on that a little bit because um uh, james marsden plays himself mm-hmm. on the show and you know he is like the celebrity who just like He's kind of this guy yeah yeah got called into jury duty and then Ronald Gladden is kind of like, oh, you you were in Sonic, like you know he 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 wasn't even aware, you know, one of the biggest movies in the past couple of years. Right. And James Marsden was in that, and then you know, um, it actually made oh. me want to because they highlight a movie, an early movie of James Marsden that I'm like, man, now I want to watch this. Um, Sex Drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's that mention of that, and it's like, yeah, it is possible because also you know. Being on freebie even before was, you know, it, it's it's a little more obscure. People try frown upon these streaming services that use advertising, even though they're free. They're kind of taken for granted. They're like, you know, there's this whole joke about what Tubi programming is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, that people don't really take the, those kinds of things seriously. So maybe, yeah, it, it, it could be obscure enough. Maybe that's one of the, the things they'll need to ask when they're, like, you know, screening for the next... Uh, guy or gal is like have you ever heard of a show called jury duty <laughs> right <You know>? exactly <laughs> um yeah and if they have then you know they, they're out <laughs> yeah amazing uh but yeah it, it's brilliant like i think um yeah it's definitely even if it is just a one-off like i think it, it's a highlight of the year for me um for sure uh so yeah jury duty if you yeah, once you're done with beef, I would say cool. it's a good follow-up. <laughs> okay, sounds yeah, good. Yeah, something lighter. I like this. All right, awesome. Okay, so um, yeah, shall we get into the main course? Oh, baby, let's dig in. We have a lot to get through here. Right. Okay. So yeah, let's let's set the table. So mm. um, what we're doing is our top five single seasons of TV. We're not doing our top five TV shows because yeah. You know, that that would just be boring, you know. And I think the whole thing why I realized it's better to focus on just one season is that, um, you know, 
it could be just a one-off. Like it could be like the the show was terrible because a lot of shows have trouble like sticking to landing. I think we've even brought up examples uh, leading into this. Um, you know, sometimes creators leave. Uh, sometimes you know the show just loses its way. But you know, sometimes there's that the one season that's just perfect. But you know, bef- before we get into that, I do want to ask you, Steve, what's like a a five out of five, ten out of ten? show for you that like you felt like stuck to landing from start to finish okay well it it might be a little bit of a sneak preview of what's to come um i really enjoyed the wire i know it's like that's like at the you know that's like one of the shows that's like comes off of people's tongues a lot uh you know you know that the sopranos breaking bad right you know etc is is like you know, it's like a popular choice, but yeah. it's definitely, I think one of it's, I, I thought, you know, although the, there's a lot of issues, I think with the last season, just not maybe hitting the same high bar as the first four, it, right. um, it, it comes around at the end and it may, and it, it sends you off feeling the good vibes, fe- feeling like the wire is continuing and feeling like, uh, you got what you came for. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You should mention that because, um, uh, I guess I can get into my first uh, choice <laughs> because it is oh. The Wire, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm I'm picking season four of The Ooh, Wire as my uh, and it's funny because I didn't actually put my shows in any order. I was good, just like, good. yeah, whatever I'm good. feeling by the time we're recording, that's gonna be the order that we're gonna do because it can change. Like these seasons are completely interchangeable; they're not really ranked, I would say. But since you brought up The Wire, let's yeah. let's get into it and. Yeah, I will say that, yeah, season five, oh, man, like, is this strange thing of, like, it kind of became self-aware mm-hmm. in a way yeah. and yeah. to a fault because, obviously, it is the most, uh, it's the closest to David Simon, the creator's, um, uh, his, um, uh, what he did for a living. He was a journalist yeah. with the Baltimore Sun and then, obviously, it deals with that whole thing of, like, getting a buyout that happened to him too, you know. And then the other strange thing about it, which, you know, was eerily prescient, is just how he's been treated by HBO. You know? <laughs> like, they they do kind of keep giving him shows, and they're all fascinating shows. I mean, I, I, I actually liked his New Orleans show, Treme, as well, even though I think I missed the last season. But all of them end up, like, getting cut short for some reason. And even The Wire was supposed to be canceled, but um, it was just getting so much like word of mouth and um, critical praise that they decided to see it to the end. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like, had it ended at season four, would it have just been like a perfect show to end right there? Um, yeah. Because, yeah, there, there was also this sense, too, but like they were asking, it was like, there, there's one aspect of Baltimore um, that you still haven't dealt with, which was like the Hispanic community, but like, I guess David Simon said that he just didn't know enough about that community to really get into it for another season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it just got the sense of like they were running out of things to say. And like, I think kind of a jump the shark plot point in season five that I was like, oh man, was when McNulty was trying to set up the cases. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the, the fake serial killer <laughs> thing. Yeah. It was just like, Sketchy. oh man. Yeah, that was really it. Like that 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 was the first time that something felt forced on the show because, you know, 
that really is the thing. Uh, again, I stick stuck with it because David Simon just had such a vision for the show. And I mean, credit to Robert F. Colesbury, too, who passed away, um, I think, in season two while they were making it. So, um, uh, yeah, they even have a because he plays one of the smaller cop uh, mm-hmm. in, like Ray, I think Ray Cole. He mm-hmm. plays. <laughs> so they do a funeral for him in season two. Like he's mm-hmm. the dead body. Um, on when they do the funeral, he's like on the pool table. Do you remember that? Yeah. In season two, yeah. So mm-hmm. he passed away in real life, and you know they just did a funeral for him on the show, as well his character. Uh, but he he was also instrumental in creating like the aesthetics of the show because that that really is what makes it stand out. Like, you know, it, it was such a shock to the system to see you know the first episode of the show even because. We're so used to procedurals being a certain way where it's like a case of the week, mm-hmm. um, yep. you know, uh, some some music, you know, breaking down doors, that kind of shit, you know, busts. And, you know, the show has its fair share of it, but it, it does it in a way that's like so subdued. Like there's no score in the entire mm-hmm. show. Like uh, all the music that plays, you only hear it through car radios or like boom boxes, you know. Um, right. Uh, the only time that the show breaks that is the the thing that's become the trope with the show which is everybody's favorite part is the the montage uh that wraps things up and then you have yeah. this beautiful song yeah um yeah. that plays over it and then also yeah obviously the the opening credits are are work of art in themselves they're mm-hmm. um they're all variations on Tom um Tom Waits's uh um why am i blanking on the the title of the song way down in the hole yeah um and it, yeah it's it's his version that plays over season two um but uh the first season which is the one that actually you know when robert colesbury was like on his deathbed he really loved this this rendition by blind boys of alabama so they mm-hmm. they tried to get that but you did you know steve that originally the theme song was gonna be um uh a step-by-step by jesse winchester no. Yeah, really? which is the song that plays on the montage of season one. Yeah, wow. at the end. Yeah, but they were yeah. like, it's too white. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason why they they chose it. And it's brilliant because, like, you know, the variations, like, and, you know, going back to why season four is so brilliant. I mean, by the time they get to season four, they actually commissioned, like, these, uh, mm-hmm. I think they're, like, a, a children's group to sing the theme song. And yeah. it's the most haunting one, I think, of... Of all the renditions. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, every season focuses on a different institution. And, you know, the the one is the first one is the one we're most familiar with with the cops and the criminals. But then, you know, once we get to season four, it deals with schools and you know, yeah. something that people might not even be familiar with anymore, like the initiatives of the government with the no child left behind thing and like how the these are all, you know, it's all for show, you know, and the idea of um, one of my favorite terms to come out of the wire is the um, juking the stats, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. and they, they're talking about it in terms of like, you know, closing cases in in um, in law enforcement. But it's the same thing with tests. You know, it's like they even talk about like how, um, you know, they, they turn up the heat, you know, to make the, the kids sleepy, you know, <laughs> right. uh, when they're yeah, when they're um, in in school so they're not really learning anything you know and it's like we follow like these four kids um and their journey through the season and it's just like heartbreaking what happens to them except for one which is surprising you know there's like a subversion 
right. of expectation with that. Yeah, and, it's like it, it it shows where do you know all the characters you see in the first couple seasons, like where do they come from? Yeah, and it kind of sh- gives you that in season four, which is really cool. Yeah, and wow. then um, it's also different in the sense that, like, I guess one character who were quick to judge in the first season, uh, Prez Belusky, Prez, uh, mm-hmm. who's um, played by Jim True Frost, who's also a great actor, by the way, getting, I think very underrated. He was really good in um, uh, singles as oh. well. <laughs> um, he, um, it, yeah, he he has this whole journey where he basically gets, you know, fired. Uh, from being a cop and then he ends up being a teacher which actually happened to one of the writers of the show he was also a Baltimore cop who became a teacher Ed Burns so these were oh, like cool. you know institutions that they knew well they they what they were portraying was just like you know it's something that was lived in and really well researched and yeah mm-hmm. just how they cast people I, I think that came up recently too like a lot of the actors had trouble um, finding roles after <laughs> uh, uh, The Wire because they were just so good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think uh, um, uh, one of them is uh, the guy who plays Chris Partlow, who, yeah, he's just terrifying in this season. I mean, he has that yeah. one scene where uh, I won't reveal who that character is, but he beats a guy <laughs> to death yeah. and the, the camera like doesn't flinch. Like it's just like there yeah. with him this whole time and yeah i mean that's another brilliant thing about the show is like we don't there's a lot of past we don't hear about with these characters but you can tell that um through their actions like there was something in his past that triggered him to beat this guy to death you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah i also love how creative they are with the idea the themes of surveillance and how like the criminals are smart enough to like bypass that mm-hmm. like I think season four is where they introduced the idea of um uh that they don't even send texts or call anymore they just send photos and it's like photos of clocks and then you know like basically um Lester and McNulty are trying to figure out you know what does that mean like what are mm-hmm. these clocks and and you know season four is also Marlowe's like rise to power like he's in full control now he's like taking over um, yeah. the projects and. Uh, West Baltimore um, and you know how that that has its own fallout and like um, uh, the, she was a discovery um, a Snoop yeah like, yeah oh I think my she, god yeah she's the first person I think we see at the beginning of the season right like she's buying um, a nail gun yeah <laughs> and then the way she checks out she's like okay here you go she just gives him a wad of cash yeah <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> crazy yeah, and then we find out what that nail gun is for, and it's like this thing, like the little details in the opening right. credits of like the, you know, the, there's a hand, and I think that's Chris's hand that goes over, or no, no, maybe that's actually Bunk's hand that feels for the the wooden board with the nail on it, and they realize that's the way to, you know, because if you're taking over territory, you know, there's got to be bodies, and you know, it's the same thing for the cops. You can't really do a case like especially if you you do homicide there needs to be a body and the creative way that the criminals figured it out is like yeah let's just dump the bodies in these vacant houses in baltimore in west baltimore you know yeah yeah but yeah yeah there's all these things that are going on in season four that are just incredible and yeah i think yeah, yeah it's the one that really just like hit me the most emotionally and i think it 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 comes at the right time too in terms of 
the show like you know being as unconventional as it is it's hard to get into initially you know but yeah. once you're in that rhythm yeah that's why i'm pleasantly surprised that you like it steve because you know i think yeah most people drop out <laughs> you know sure. the show um especially with season two because you know if you struggled with season one season two just like makes a complete left turn and that's probably mm-hmm. my it, it's pretty close to season four to me as like one of my favorite seasons of the wire well, well you know. speaking of season two Making okay. my top five list. Is oh, there the Wire <laughs> season two. Man, you got me. <laughs> I thought, I yeah. thought you were just going to talk about The Wire for your perfect show, but that's your show. No. Okay, let's get into yeah. it. Damn. The Wire okay, but... season two. We yeah. are, th- this is the, known as the white guy season. We are at the <laughs> ports. And yeah, for, I feel like a lot of people, they, I feel like there is some poo pooing of this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. And I just have to say, poo-poo to their poo-poo <laughs> i like this season carlo yeah i Man, love it too you got the, you got a lot of cool themes in this one you got the themes of industrial and manufacturing decay and like jobs being lost and you got the themes of um yeah like you're saying they're they're juking the stats, the stats the, yeah. um, in the police you know the big thing is um you know at the to start this season a container of dead girls you know being sex trafficked into the port of baltimore are found and there's a and instead of dealing with this tragedy (laughs) and trying to figure out what's going on one of the first things that comes up is well under whose jurisdiction is this is this under the ports or baltimore city you know um, and so which, which homicide division is going to take these bodies? Yeah. I love that. Like that, how they determine it too, like with the border of which County is like incredible. Yeah. And you know, McNulty being the pain in the ass that he is. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. <figures> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fucking Rawls hates him even more. <laughs> you see this McNulty? This is for you. <laughs> Yeah, and so all, there's like all so so there's 13 bodies that they have to figure out that are they're all in the red. They have to turn green, and unfortunately, his buddies Bunk and Freeman are the ones who get this case. Yeah, but luckily they are up for the task, and that's really fun to see how they figure it out. Right. Um, I mean, and yeah, then, the- and, and then just like wrapping up all the themes, you got the themes of just like there's that, that there's corporate forces at play here. You know, yeah. it's not just solving cases. You have Valchek, who's like the head uh, of the the department, who has like a petty gripe against the the dock union yeah. because the dock union they're Polish. Got, yeah, yeah, they're... yeah. It's it's like um, yeah because they got a certain uh, I guess stained glass pane put into their church right. that he wanted donated. Yeah. And that starts this whole thing. It's just like a petty grievance. Right. But like, yeah, it just has a ripple effect in terms of yeah, the institutions. And I mean, that, that every every season of The Wire always has like a detail. And this is something that um, people, um, I, well, I, I didn't know from watching cop shows was that there's this whole thing about like that you have you can't just have like one department on a case. When it's like a special investigation, you actually have to put a detail which, you know, gets cops from different departments mm-hmm. um, and like detectives as well to like get on it. So every season um, there's a different detail, but it always involves like similar people because, you know, they, they obviously do a good job. But there's also 
only like an extent of what they can do in terms of like good policing as they would say you know <laughs> like right. yeah because yeah they're limited by these institutions and then also like yeah criminals get away with things you know it's like and and the, the beauty of this season too is that um initially we think that the the steve doors and the the port are these corrupt people but you know they're also just trying to get by yeah and like they they're part of a system too where you know they obviously benefited from it like the whole idea of like making the the shipping containers disappear was brilliant you know mm-hmm. um and uh man uh the guy who plays um the main uh, Steve Dora, what is his name? Chris um, Bauer is Chris Frank Bauer. Sabotka. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He, he plays Sabotka. Um, is just incredible, you know. And uh, he, he's kind of like a that guy mm-hmm. actor, you know. He's yeah. um, you know, he, you, you've seen him around, but that that's the beauty of the show too. That it gave a lot of character actors like a time to shine, you know. So a lot of, much good yeah. so many good roles oh my god yeah people are mourning obviously um uh lance reddick and yeah, yeah i mean his role is um uh what is his character name again i'm blanking now. daniels uh, yeah daniels lieutenant daniels um is just incredible like i mean yeah. the way he says like uh i guess i mentioned this in in the john wick episode the, the bullshit and then <laughs> yeah um yeah shit bird you know you listen to me shit bird like he yeah. just says it so well and like even just his like whole um degree of corruption is fascinating mm-hmm. too because there's this idea of loyalty and you know i i brought this up too in in our um in our favorites of last year like i yeah i highly recommend Steve, you watch uh, we own the city because oh, um, right. yeah yeah because it's from from David Simon again and they revisit that um territory of Baltimore and it's done in the same uh style as the wire and mm-hmm. um uh but the the difference this time around is it's actually all um it's all real like uh these are all real people um wow. it's based on a true story and uh like a, just a funny kind of in joke is that um all the people who played criminals in The Wire, uh, they play like the cops <laughs> in huh. We Own the City, which I thought was brilliant. So you see, wow. like Jamie Hector who played Marlowe, he's wow. playing. Um... Oh man! Oh, you know another weird thing with The Wire I just remembered was that uh, you know, uh, like uh, Marlowe gives his number on the show uh, to uh, Levy, the you know the skeezy Jewish lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know how a lot of numbers on movies and TV shows always have the five 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 number, so it does it's not real. His is actually a real number, and oh. I I actually saved it on my phone. I haven't called it recently, but when you would call it, it would go to kind of a it's it's not voicemail per se, but it's him talking, and it's like him saying like my name is my name oh my yeah. god <laughs> yeah it's no so way. good yeah yeah it was like a weird like easter egg of the show i'll have to find the number and i'll give it to you and see <laughs> if it still works <laughs> That's but amazing yeah but like yeah the hbo's marketing man did a good job Dang, so yeah marlo's awesome. number was real for for the longest time you could call marlo up oh, it was a call marlo yeah, on yeah i bet we can do it live that's awesome yeah yeah, wow. yeah it's like a um uh what's this uh it's like a baltimore area code as well sweet dude 
Oh man, I, yeah. Let me just check my contacts right now. Let's see if it's it's still there. Come on, um, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> man, yeah, well, well, let's call it on uh, on speakerphone. Okay, cool. Let's see. Uh, Marlo Stanfield, right here. Okay, okay, this is the number, by the way. Four one zero nine one five zero nine zero nine. All right, okay. okay let, let's call it. There. All right, so you call it, then yeah, hold your phone up to the mic. Okay, can you hear this? Yeah. There you go. Oh my <laughs> it god! It still works. Amazing. Oh my god! Uh, my we just did something name. live. Yeah, oh. my name is my name, which is a brilliant scene. And I mean, Jamie Hector is just so good at, as Marlo. Yeah, he was I mean, scary. Yeah. Yeah. Props to um to Wood Harris as um Avon Barksdale, but you mm-hmm. know, just it's so brilliant how they have that happen where Marlo takes over and he his like you know compared to Marlo, Avon seems like he's more principled. And yeah. like you know, there's there's like an an order to the way that he does things, even though it is still shitty. <laughs> like, um, you know, but with Marlo, it's just like you don't understand where he's coming from. You know, it's like he, he's just borderline sociopathic, like you know, and he's this young dude, just is not afraid of anybody. You know, um, man, yeah, so. so good. Yeah, season two of The Wire. And what is the? Uh, do you remember, Steve? Refresh my memory. What is the? Um, what is the montage for season two? What is the song? Oh, is the it song, Fast Train? The, um, I think so. Yeah. Hold on, let me see. Uh, yeah, season two. What I really like is you got you got Amy Ryan in this season. As oh Beauty. yeah, she's brilliant too. She's great. Um, you know, I really like I really like all the Sabatkas. I like Frank. I like Ziggy. Hmm. I, I like Nick. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, by the way, uh, James Ransom. <laughs> Is brilliant as Ziggy, I, and I don't know if he yeah. he's actually Ziggy Sabotka on you on uh, Twitter, but he seems to always post like you know, um, the wire related stuff. Oh, this funny. Ziggy Sabotka, and I don't know if it's him, but like yeah, uh, the thing about the James Ransom is he plays the same guy in everything he's in. You know, he's, just like he's, unhinged he, kind of dude. Yeah. yeah, and one of the first things I ever saw him in was like maybe it came out a year before season two of The Wire. It was um. Ken Park, um, mm-hmm. directed by Larry Clark, and in that movie, he is just like he. Well, it's darkly hilarious, but like he is just so unhinged. Yeah, <laughs> and he also does something crazy the same way he does in season two that like uh, ends um, does not end well for his character. <laughs> oh, okay. um, but yeah, there's yeah. there's also like a very shocking scene in in Ken Park. I mean, the mo- entire movie of Ken Park is still very shocking. Actually, it hasn't lost its power. Um, but yeah, great cast. Cool. Yeah, um, Leave Shriver's brother, uh, Pablo Schreiber. Yeah, oh, plays his cool. uh, his cousin. Um, and yeah, uh, but yeah, it's just such a great cast. Um, every season, but yeah, like we we only we only get basically the port people in this season, and then we kind of I forgot which one he is, but we see one of them later on, 
and you see that he's homeless now because that actually also happened. Like the ports of Baltimore disappeared. Mm. That industry is just gone now. You yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, yeah. And then I also, I really like how they, you know, this season you get introduced to more players. You like, you get more prop Joe. I think you get some yeah. method, man. You get the Greek and Spiros and, and you kind of see that. Oh, yeah. You kind of see that, you know, as the police solve cases and get some criminals off the street, just others just fill their Bob spot. Yeah, and like, and, exactly. And not, so like nothing really ever changes. Right. And like I think that ultimately that's what the wire is like trying to get at, you know? Yeah, exactly. Who, who is that Russian guy? And they call him Boris. And he's like, why, why always Boris? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, yeah. 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 He was brilliant guy. too. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. I got, I got to look up that actor's name though. Yeah. The, that episode too, the, the first episode is called ebb tide. Oh, and just a tie in to be just a little detail that I like that they set up in season one for McNulty. And that makes it completely organic to go into the ports in season two is that he's actually asked early on in season two by Landsman, who's also a great character, his sergeant. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, so yeah, what wouldn't you want to do? And he's like, uh, I, I, I don't want to be on the boats because I just get seasick. Yeah. And that's where they end up assigning him to punish him for his, you yeah. know, putting together that detail. <laughs> yeah. So and good. then, yeah, that that's what leads to him knowing like where the border is on the water, where the bodies were discovered, you know. <laughs> It's so like good. all these things. Uh, Sergey, that's his name. Sergey, <laughs> they call yeah. him Boris. It's like why always Boris? <laughs> yeah, he was so good. Chris Ashworth. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not actually Russian. <laughs> cool. Uh, but yeah, good shit, man. We start off with the wire. Two seasons of the wire. You you Ooh. help m- okay. make it easier for me for my choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, brilliant. Um, yeah, I realize crime kind of runs through my choices, <laughs> like for some reason. All right. Well, so we started this whole the wire run because you asked me a question, so I want right. to turn the tables back okay. back at you. So, Carlo, do you have an answer to the question of is there a show that has like I, th- I think the way you phrase it was like is there a show that you would consider being perfect that yeah. like made it all Stuck the way the through? landing? Suck the landing, um, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, the, this show I I almost considered one of its seasons for my five, but uh, I realized like, yeah, no, it's it's perfect for all four seasons, and that is Nathan for you. Oh, you love this show! Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, fucking yeah. love it, man, and I I really feel like it stuck the landing. I mean, this show could even be like my desert island show if i could only watch one show for the rest of my life it would be this show <laughs> you know i mean it's just uh the the escalation of like his rube goldberg business plans <laughs> he comes up with just ge- keeps on getting more and more ridiculous and i mean it, it's also a show that ended just at the right point i think i mean he could have kept on going if he wanted to mm-hmm. but i think um yeah it was just that it was becoming more and more ambitious and i think he outgrew comedy central in a way that's why i think he's better now with hbo with the rehearsal because that's they're giving him carte blanche to do what he wants you know i mean he basically with his new show the rehearsal he's he blew most of the budget on recreating an entire bar from Brooklyn, you know, mm. and he transferred it to a warehouse in Oregon. Yeah, so it's yeah. like he, the, that's the kind of freedom that he has now with HBO that he, I probably he didn't have with with um, Comedy Central. But those limitations work, you know, and it, it's one of those shows that I, you know, I just kind of casually discovered. It, 
the the segments of the show are perfect for clipping on YouTube because you know you could have an entire like segment of just him doing the business idea because there often would be like two or three business ideas in one episode, uh, one half hour episode. So he mm. packs a lot in there, and um, I still remember the very first like um, I guess premise that I I got into, which was a uh, he was trying to prove scientifically prove that he was a fun guy to be with. <laughs> but, you know, this is like running motif yeah. with the Nathan Fielder character on this show where he's like, he has no friends. You know, mm-hmm. he's <laughs> he's kind of... He's just trying to be friends with everybody that he's proposing businesses to. <laughs> you oh know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, uh, so what he does is he, he finds a friend on Craigslist and then he basically, like, kind of tricks the guy into, like, you know, giving his urine before... Uh, they hang out, and then um, uh, and then um, afterwards they like, hey, let's get a blood test, you know, and then that's how he notices that you know his like uh the guy's like dopamine levels like went up hanging out with him, but he deliberately like chose like really fun things like they they go go karting and like mm-hmm. yeah. buy silly hats, you know. <laughs> kind of, so that was when I saw that I was hooked and I was like, man, I gotta watch this show and <laughs> yeah, it's. And it's a show too that you can watch in any order. You can like pick an uh, an episode from one season and then skip to another season, and That's it's awesome. brilliant for that. So yeah, Nathan, for you, man, five five out of five. Yeah, like sure. I feel I feel like this was the kind. This is a kind of show that if we if it, if it was on twenty years ago, like it it, it could be syndicated because it, uh-huh. it, it and it would have like a little block, like an hour block after school that you could watch and like. Because you can, you know, you don't have to watch the episodes in in order. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. you say that because there's even an episode where it makes fun of after school specials. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's incredible. Like that show, that one, they even like emulate the style of like those MTV teen shows with the quick cutting and then the camera always like tilting and you know all that that stuff. Oh, it's yeah. it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he, he just. He covers so much ground, and it's also like actually a really great like L.A. show because he focuses on businesses that are often like in like hidden parts of L.A. Like you know, um, the first business that he ever helps is actually like a Filipino-run froyo shop in mm. Glendale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. So I and and it's funny to look up too, like um, you know, later on, like which businesses are still around and which aren't around anymore. <laughs> um. So yeah, Nathan for you. Cool. All right. All right. So we've we've done the wire, and I guess let's just stick with the crime um, theme. Sure. Uh, okay. My next season that I've picked, the single season, is Fargo season two. Okay. Have you seen the season, Steve? No. Oh man, have you seen Fargo in general? Just I've seen season the, one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Season one and two are the most connected of of the four. Uh, it feels like with season three and season four, they they they're going very peripheral. Mm-hmm. So um, the reason why like season two I think is even better than season one, which was surprisingly good. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting it because it's just like man, they're making a TV show of a movie that's already very good. So how can they top it, yeah. right? And it's not being made by the Coens. It's like, um some other guy <laughs> and, uh, who's also made like some bad movies. So I was just like, I don't trust this. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Like season two, uh, season one was very surprising, but season two, Steve, is a masterpiece. Dang, like okay. it's incredible. Like, um, so it basically focuses on um the Keith Carradine character from season one, but when he was younger. So you you kind of note this in season one. He he walks with a limp, and you know he was a cop before, and he kind of alludes to like um you know a massacre that happened in North Dakota, um Sioux City, um and that he was you know that was he recalls that like he runs a diner in in season one. So season two focuses on that event, like what led to that massacre, that shootout in in Sioux City, and um uh. The younger version of Keith Carradine is played by um, Patrick Wilson, and I think it's Patrick Wilson's best role. He's just so good in this. And uh, actually, another actor who I think is doing a career best performance in this is um, uh, he plays uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, Mike Milligan is the the name of his character. Oh my god. Uh, Bukim Woodbine. Yes, exactly. Bukim Woodbine. So he is also brilliant. In it. I mean, there's a scene where basically um, Bukim Woodbine, uh, Mike Milligan, and uh, Patrick Wilson's character have kind of a a very tense uh, exchange. And um, uh, he, he, Mike Milligan talks about like basically how white people from, I guess, North Dakota or the Midwest um you know, it's like he says says something like it, um, something to do with. Uh, it's not that um, you know, you guys are uh are rude. It's it's actually because you're just so damn polite about it. You know, he's <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's so good. And like the you know, um, Bukim Woodbine talks in this certain cadence, which is really weird. It's like he, um, it's almost like he he was educated in New England somehow, and you know, we. We learn more about his character in um in season um season four, uh, but on the periphery. Uh again, you know, he's he's the only connection actually to the whole Fargo um universe is Mike Milligan. Um uh but uh, yeah, it's just so well done. Like fantastic cast. Like Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst play a couple and like they get involved in this whole craziness. Um and you know they they basically met on this show and fell in love in real life, mm-hmm. you know. So there's that. Uh, Kieran Culkin makes an appearance and he's great in this, like pre-succession. And then um, uh, Gene Smart is brilliant in this. Um, yeah, there, there's this whole thing about like um, these two families that are kind of warring um, uh, in North Dakota. Uh, yeah, the, it's just it. it it's just so well done and like um very moving to Chris- Kristen Moliotti. she's also great in mm-hmm. it um it's just something that like it, it it feels like such a one off now because um yeah season 3 was just less interesting and then season 4 it's just kind of like um it's it's a good show like a good season it's solid but it's just i don't think they're ever going to reach the heights of um of season two cool like yeah there's just something about season two i can definitely just watch like like a little recap of season one then then hop into season two. yeah that sounds good definitely i highly recommend it like cool yeah it will just completely hook you so sweet yeah all right all right so 
Yeah, what's your your next oh, show? My next show, um, I don't know if, if we've ever talked about this one, so I, I'm curious if this one's even on your radar. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, I'm going to say Fleabag Season 1. Ooh, um, okay. So did you catch Fleabag? I did, but like okay. in a weird way, it's like I... I I finished it because I started season two. That's how I know that I okay. finished it, but I don't okay. remember it. Okay, <laughs> so it's short enough where we could really talk about both because like it, there, okay. there are only six episodes seasons. Sure. But um, you know, essentially season one I think is is based on the actual one person, one woman show that she, that uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge wrote. Gotcha. That's like you know essentially you're aware at the beginning of the season that there's like a, um, her friend died under mysterious mm. circumstances. And now this flea bag character who you never hear, find out what her name is. She is, runs a, a cafe with that's Guinea pig themed. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, it's a very novelty cafe. <laughs> right. But essentially her life is falling apart. You know, she's like, she sleeps with everyone she sees Yep. She's really snarky. She talks to the camera, Zach Morris style. Um, she needs a, a loan desperately to kind of keep the cafe running. And then it all culminates at the end of season one where she finally breaks down. You as the viewer finally find out what, you know, what happened to Fleabag's friend. Right. Um, uh, and, and why she's, you know, feeling so down and depressed. And then the loan officer comes into her cafe and has some empathy for her because you kind of get a sense that he's, or I, I think in that season you see that he's been going through some stuff on his own. Like he, I think is uh his he cheated on his on, on his wife, and so his his wife kicked him out, and all he wants is to like, uh you know get back to his family. You know he he's hoping for a second chance himself, and so he ultimately gives Fleabag a second chance at this loan. Gotcha. And so it's just like really powerful the way it's all ties together it's one of those rare shows where it pulls off you know light comedy shock comedy and it can also be super sad and touching in a way that i think a lot of comedies sometimes miss Mm -hmm. um and so yeah just just uh i think phoebe waller bridge has done a couple other shows i think she's going to be in the new Indiana Jones is that? Yep, she is, is Dial that, of that, Destiny. That yeah. sound right? So yep. I'm really cool. I'm really curious to kind of see, okay, like where can she go? Because as far as like writing her own show, season one and season two of Fleabag are pretty strong. Um, yeah. Season two, you know, uh, at, which I think you mentioned, you know, also ends really strong. Um, and kind of, yeah, it's on a similar emotional touching place after kind of taking you through a wild ride of comedy um yeah what's your feelings on fleabag um yeah i think i just need to get over my whole uh like distaste for brett gelman Uh, (laughs) i think that's the reason like brett gelman i do not and i mean you know obviously one of my biases that he he was instrumental in getting um uh, million dollar uh, extreme yeah. canceled yeah. on uh, yeah. Comedy Central, but not only that, it's just like his character in on Fleabag is very annoying. Despicable. Like I, 
Yeah, yeah. and uh, man, the thing is, though, I've you know I've, I've been watching Stranger Things, and mm-hmm. I don't mind him in Stranger Things. Like he seems okay. Like I mean, he is like this conspiracy nut in that, but like he's not as annoying as he is in on Fleabag, and I I think that's why, like I think I started season one, and then mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't even finish that episode. I think of of, oh. of season two. Sorry. Um, yeah. Because of that. Um, but yeah, man, like I have a huge crush on, I'll just admit it. I have a huge crush on Phoebe Waller bridge. Like, you totally. Know, yeah. It's just, she, she has like this presence, but I'm not really sure about her kind of, um, her creative, uh, things. If that really is like something that I'm, I completely trust because, uh, yeah, I mean, she, she kind of had a hand in, um, uh, I think the that solo movie and the Han Solo prequel as well, and that didn't turn out very well. I mean, I did like this was the other thing that I guess showcases her um, versatility is that she also is like um, one of the writers and I, I think co-creators of um, uh, Killing Eve, mm-hmm. which is a yeah. very good show as well. You know, um, very different from Fleabag. <laughs> it's like you know polar opposite. Um, uh, so yeah, that 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 gives me hope. But like, there's this all also this other thing that that kind of came out about her that, you know, she has this deal with Amazon that paid her like sixty million bucks and that she hasn't really like, you know, produced anything for them. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like she just basically cashed in. Like, there's this whole thing about like you know how how much of a mess Amazon is in terms of you know, what kind of money they're providing for their creators, you know, and just like, you know, they cancel their their shows that are actually doing well, like Mozart in the Jungle was like one of their their hit shows and it was winning mm. Emmys, but they canceled it, you know. It's just like there there's this whole thing with Amazon where it feels like at least in the studios that they're it's like a rudderless ship where they're just throwing money wherever and you know there's no real direction in terms of where they're heading that's why it's a miracle that we have stuff like you know um uh the boys or um sure. I, I would say yeah they they have the best superhero show in um in in invincible you know mm-hmm. um i could have actually even mentioned that 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 i'm excited for season 2 for invincible and uh, they said it's on its way, but they they don't know when. They haven't given an exact date, but it's going to be late this year apparently. But season one of Invincible was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's really it. I, I think with Fleabag, I just need to overcome my <laughs> my prejudices, and then maybe even just like yeah, I, I completely forgot about how season two ended, which is just funny. <laughs> I mean, season one, yeah. like right. that, I it just erased yeah. from my mind, and then I just never picked it up again. That was yeah. the thing. Yeah. It is really interesting, though. You bring up a good point of just like what an actor or someone like outside of the show, how it can impact the right. the, the viewing of it. Um, like on the last app, we were talking about Marked for Death and like there's enough distance between Marked for Death and when we enjoyed it and what Seagal's up to now. Whereas right. like maybe what what Galman's up to um and yeah, it's a despicable character, and you do get a sense that in real life he probably is kind of like an like a, like an asshole, yeah. right? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so it's like, is that enough? And then you know, I, I guess with with Phoebe Waller with her cashing in, does that yeah does does that impact you know the viewing? 
Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. It's like, yeah. it, it's like, it's hard to decouple, but also like kind of similar to what Petros mentioned on the last step. Like, I think he even said like, good luck enjoying anything I ever. Think, yeah, exactly. Or, or, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that it's all more on me than anything. And I will just say to another thing about the show that I did enjoy from the first season is just how it's shot. Like, I, I really thought the cinematography was just, it, it's nothing spectacular, but there's just something about it that's like, it's compelling. It makes London look very appealing, yeah. you know, um, the same way I guess uh, Ted Lasso does too, you know. Uh, but yeah, there's like the, this warm color tone to it that I really like. Uh, I mean, we didn't even get into it with Netflix. I think that's also another flaw of Netflix that they seem to have like, uh, you know, a uh, color grading standard for all their most yeah. of their shows, and that's why you know something like um, uh, Copenhagen Cowboy, which is completely like Refn's own palette, is so refreshing. But you know, it's like yeah, once you get out of that Netflix thing, it's like yeah, even Beef actually, I would say it's not mm-hmm. graded like a typical yeah. Netflix show is. So you know, so yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and just just more than anything, just. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is she's just naturally really damn funny, like yeah. really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she she does have that comic timing. So yeah, one hundred percent. All right, so I'm gonna deviate from crime real quick. Um, and, oh yeah, and do a comedy show, and yeah. it's actually a show that's still ongoing. Actually, it just started its uh, sixth season, <laughs> oh. um, and it's Eric Andre season oh, two. You lo- you love Eric Andre. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll watch anything Eric Andre. Speaking of naturally funny people, I think Eric yeah. Andre is one of those yep. guys. Because you can just yep. tell, like, when he does interviews, it's just he... Where is he drawing this stuff from? Like, it's just incredible, you know? He doesn't need, he doesn't need like, a writing staff to, <laughs> to make him funny, you know? He's just naturally funny. Totally. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I already loved season one uh, of Eric Andre, but I think season two, um, it's the first season where they they move away from the lo-fi like VHS look of the first season, and, <laughs> and it, it, they even show it like the screen grows wider and it becomes HD in mm-hmm. the the first episode of season two, and um, yeah, they they have even bigger guests in, in season two, but yeah, you know, even getting like Dolph Lundgren in season one was was brilliant but you know it's like uh it introduced one of my favorite recurring like prank skits which is ranch it up <laughs> you know uh i i don't know if you're familiar with with legalized ranch steve the whole uh, explain it again so eric andre is this guy who's supposed to be like this kind of you know uh i guess hipster but also like uh druggy kind of guy I mean, you know, the the kind of guy who says basically party at the quad later, you know, that kind of dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so ridiculous. Like his outfits are like he's wearing like a, a jester hat, like stupid shades, uh, a shirt that basically has his his pierced nipples like exposed. <laughs> and then he's wearing like, you know, baggy pants. And then it gets ri- even more ridiculous as the seasons go on. Like later on, he's just wearing like a thong, you know, <laughs> it's just all these ridiculous things. But the the whole thing is that he's. He's trying to legalize ranch, like ranch sauce, but it's already legal. You know, it's yeah. like so he's he's coming up to people and it's like, yeah, you won't. And then he's just trying to. He has all this lingo that just doesn't make any sense, and I quote it all the time. It's just like stuff like, um, uh, 
was this um man now i'm blanking on some of the lines it's like what are you reading right now mein kampf (laughs) (laughs) um you know i'm uh was this uh it's another line that i'm thinking of uh like um my friend here is just trying to write like super nintendo yelp reviews you know (laughs) it's stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, um, why are you being such a narc right now you're being so narcoleptic like, <laughs> and he's approaching people and people are like get the fuck away from me you know, yeah. Um, yeah and that's a big aspect of the show so it's like a talk show but then there's also like these skits that um, are like man on the street kind of prank things mm-hmm. and it's so much based on like how people react to him cool. and uh, the show is actually shot like in an empty bodega which has no air conditioning <laughs> so all the 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 interviewers are like when they're saying man it's so fucking hot in here it's because it is fucking hot like you know it's yeah. poor ventilation and like apparently people while they're recording would still even knock on the uh, the door the thinking the bodega door. yeah the the bodega is still open you That's know or funny. something like uh, but it's been abandoned um and uh so yeah he he used to do everything in season 1 in LA but then apparently like LA is a lot stricter on like doing pranks on the street with people. Oh. So he had to do all the pranks in New York City. <laughs> so, wow. So the season, yeah, the in season two, <sighs> all the pranks on the street happen in New York City, even though the show is shot in LA. Cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just, it, you know, it, it's just overall the show is like, um, it just reveals how, you know, stale talk shows have become. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with the interviews with a lot of the celebrities, it's always a lot longer than what they show on the show, and they have no idea what's happening because he's also playing pranks on them. Like you know, sometimes he'll he'll break his desk or you know chop his hand off or something like that, and they'll just be screaming. <laughs> and I mean, the brilliance of the show really is in its editing. Like it, the yeah. editing is actually like borderline like experimental. Like it's some some of the most experimental editing I've seen on a TV show, um, but it it's played to like comic timing. You know the the whole meme of like we'll be right back, like the way it would just cut to that. Like I think there was an interview with Howie Mandel where he's like touching his his bald forehead, and they do this thing where he pulls back like it's CGI like bad CGI where he pulls back his forehead and he screams, and then it like suddenly <laughs> we'll we'll be right back. <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that that just that's like, awesome yeah it's like I, I feel like it's it, it's an extension off of like the comedy bang bang style of like let's yeah, like forget be. forget the standard talk show let's like make it funny let's let's play let's have comedians on playing characters that are guests but like he's kind of he, he kind of took that you know, and and again, I think this idea has existed for a long time, especially in like the improv world, in like the like live show world. There's been a ton of, you know, fake, silly talk show, right? You know, sketches, yeah, um, and, and so Jimmy and so, Glick, you know, the yeah, the exactly. So yeah, sure. yeah, 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 that's a great one. Um, and so yeah, just kind of he he took it and is making it his own insane thing. And um, yeah, I'm excited to tear into these at some point. I like, I yeah, feel like dude. I'm save, I'm saving them for something. Yeah, so you wh- should. So when I finally rip into these, I know I'm gonna love them. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, especially I think the the first three, 
seasons. Uh, season mm-hmm. four was still pretty good, but like, yeah, uh, I mean, th- I really think now the show has kind of become a shell of its former self. And a big sure. part of it, which I thought was just like a joke, was that, you know, I mean, his co-host on the show is Hannibal Burris. And yeah. he leaves in season five, and you think that it's like, oh, he's gonna come back, you know? It was like all an act, but no, he's just like gone, gone. Like he really walked off the show. Yeah. Um, where? What happened to Hannibal? I feel like five years ago he was still like one of the top stand-up comedians, right? And was like, and, 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 and was just kind of like in the public eye. Yeah, and like, he was. Um, he, he had a recurring yeah. role on um, Broad City, and then um, he had his own show. On um on um Comedy Central, um and then uh yeah he was you know he really shot up to fame when uh he he had that viral clip of him talking about Bill Cosby and then people just realized holy shit like Bill Cosby was doing all this things he was one of the first people to to talk about that and then he I think he even has a podcast and then you know Whoa. he's been he's been okay. a guest on like um uh, Steve O's podcast. Um, but yeah, because that, that's how I found out that he was serious about leaving Eric Andre. Yeah. Um, was on Steve O podcast. He talks about it, and I was like, "Oh man, it's for real. He's not coming back." I thought it was yeah. just like a a joke because it's played as a joke on the on the show. Um, but yeah, it's weird. He, maybe he's just chilling now. I mean, you know, he's he's probably made his money like, and he's like taking a break. Looks like he has some stand up dates on his website. Hmm. Okay. So so maybe he's just kind of doing stand up and that and is just out of the Yeah. I I yeah. I would have thought too that like, you know, he would have been the natural even though Lil Rel is great in um in Bad Trip, he would have been the natural partner for Eric Andre in mm-hmm. Bad Trip, you know, in yep. that movie. But I, I guess yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's an amicable falling out, but yeah, the the show Eric Andre show is just not as good without him, you know, and I, I think even the pranks are are not as funny as they were, mm. you know, for some reason. Even though Hannibal doesn't even participate in a lot of the pranks, you know, he's in right. some of them. But uh, for some reason, like, yeah, uh, like the season six just started and they always do like two episodes mm. um, as the premiere. And I watched the two episodes over two nights and like I was just like, I was laughing, but it's just like it. it's not the full like hearty laugh that I had with you know the first three seasons you know and even the fourth season i would say i I think i need to rewatch the fourth season um but yeah there were just big gaps between those last few seasons i guess because they were you know things were picking up for them with other things like i think um eric andre was on a show called uh don't trust the oh actually he did that before the eric andre show the don't trust the b in apartment 23 and then he was on that show which also is very underrated um man seeking woman with jay baruchel don't trust the b in apartment 23 is one of my favorite show titles like (laughs) like i still think about it even though the show has come and gone yeah um have you seen it kind of no uh, no Uh, yeah i I need to watch it too because i i yeah speaking of crushes i also have a big crush on Kristen ritter ritter yeah she's very very cute no yeah, doubt. Um, I heard James Vanderbeek is really good in it. <laughs> cool. Dawson. Don't trust the B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, this is the other weird thing with these shows. Like, um, it's like, where do you find them if they're not like on a streaming service, right? Like, you know, a, a show that I actually enjoyed in the past uh, that's I can't find anywhere now is Selfie 
uh, which was a uh, it only lasted for one season and it was a show with um with Karen Gillan from uh Guardians and also Doctor Who and um John Cho um and it it's actually a remake of like Born Yesterday or Pygmalion it's that pre- premise but as a show modern show and like a girl who's like basically obsessed with social media Mm-hmm. You know, and Karen Gillan's like brilliant in it, and so was John Cho. But yeah, it's like shows like that. I don't know. Maybe if we just look it up, don't trust the bees like on one of those free streaming yeah. services. Cool, sweet. All right. Maybe so, what do you have next? Find it. All right. My next is a comedy. Keeping okay. It continue. Cool. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. It was tough Whoa. to pick one season. We're going back all the way to 1990, 1991. Whoa. This is season five of Married with Children. Damn. Okay. So, so I don't know if you were a fan of Married with Children, but- I um, was a casual viewer of Married with this, Children. Okay. Yeah. This thing was a phenomenon. It took over my neighborhood for <laughs> a good chunk of time from like Man. 89 to 93. There was just a collection of us kids who our parents, for, for whatever reason, didn't know that we were- you know, staying up, you know, on Sunday night and watching it and, um, and then talking about the episodes. And I, I remember talking about the episodes at school. And then of course this show was famous and it was in syndication. So you would get the reruns, uh, you know, like after school all day, uh, all throughout the nineties. But season five had a lot of the, um, a lot of firsts, like it was the first appearance of Je- of Jefferson as Marcy's husband, okay. Jefferson Darcy. The first mention of Al scoring four touchdowns in one game. Um, <laughs> the first appearance of Psycho Dad. The first appearance of uh, just a lot of d- different things. And so I actually pulled a couple clips from like some of my favorite episodes. Nice. So there's an episode where Al, he's on. Uh, I think he, um, you know, he's under a lot of stress. And and again. You know, everyone knows Ed O'Neill now for his performance on Modern Family, and he's funny on that. But he was so funny on this show, and he every episode, the writers gave him something to chew into, something funny to play, and he, he's great. He's so funny on this show, um, and on this episode, it's uh the one where he. he he uh, starts a vegetable garden. <laughs> okay. It's it's called Wabbit Season. Nice. And essentially, you know, he's going insane. And so he, I think he talks to a therapist who recommends him start a vegetable garden. And then, yeah. So here's a clip from that show. Here we go. Kids, does anyone else sense doom around here? Dumpty, 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 the vegetable garden! <laughs> I think we all sense it, Mom. Yeah, so that me and my friends, you can imagine us singing that to to each other all day. Dum da 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 the vegetable garden, you know. <laughs> and of course, the laugh track. You know, the laugh track right. was like just Classic. just as big a part of that show, right, as the actual dialogue. Um, yeah, there's right? another. It's so weird that that's part of like the the tapestry of those shows now. Is like you can't watch it without the laugh track. Right. Yeah. Like a character would walk in and get you know, and then as the seasons go on, get a longer applause break every time they enter a room. Mm, you know what I mean? Like right. so. So the actor has to enter the room, wait, 
before delivering their lines, you know? So it was, it was always like this funny thing of waiting for Kelly for the, you know, she's like just buying time, you know, for, for mm. the applause, you know, and all the whoops to die down. Um, another one of my favorite apps, there's an episode where Al is trying to remember a song. Mm. So, so, so this is back in 1990 where you couldn't just Google it or hold up Shazam. So he's going up to everybody and he's doing this. And tell me the name of the song. Mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm, him. So, yeah. That's like that's the whole premise of the episode. That's that's the A story. And it, but it's like it's funny enough that it you know it, it carries. Um, nice. And and then of course uh, Psycho Dad. I just want to play it's my, my last clip. So Psycho Dad, um, it's Al's favorite TV show. And um, I think in this clip, the only thing I cut off was uh, you're you'll hear like dialogue of it's a, it's it's a dad and his son, and the son is complaining that his he doesn't know what's wrong with his dog and the dad is saying, don't worry, I'll take care of it. But he, of course, takes care of it in kind of a silly way. The boy sure is dumb. <laughs> Who's that Who's the man with the itchy gun? Who's the man who kills for fun? Psycho death, psycho death. But he loves his son. Killed his wife because he weighed a ton. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you can't you you can't get away with <laughs> you know essentially a dad who's murdering his wife and right. all this kind of stuff anymore. It's just like it's it's so of the time. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, I guess you could kind of do get away with this humor ironically now. I guess that is, it's a little bit of like what the come town and like other things, you know, are kind of doing. It's like you have to really lay on the irony thick. Right. But they were doing it just like straight up. Like, hey, here's this guy. He's a loser. Nobody likes him. He hates his family. Um, but they somehow made it good and i think it's because of the actors i think the actors are really funny on this show so yeah shout shout out to to, uh to married with children nice so when was the last time you watched this steve um god i I mean i I haven't actually watched married with children since the 90s probably (laughs) so when it was on yeah since yeah since it was on you know it kind of i remember uh when it ended it ended very untriumphantly Gotcha. You know, like like the last five seasons, they were really doing the same thing over and over again, like hitting the same notes. You yeah. know, Al and his friends would go to the nudie bar. <laughs> Peg would complain <laughs> about something, you know. Um, and so they had to end it, but they never gave their dedicated fan base the, like, finale that I right. think the show really deserved, you know, which is, like, the ultimate, like, sad thing with, with, a, lot, with a lot of – these shows like so a, a lot of the shows you, you you've mentioned they got canceled too early right this one got canceled too late <laughs> and 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 it just kind of goes to show things can go too long and still mess up the ending you know right so yeah i mean but, talking about a show now i guess the longest running tv show 
and still keeps going is uh, the Simpsons, you know, and like everybody just wants to be, you know, to yeah. put it away. Just like yeah. kill it already, you know, it's like it's too yeah, much, like, you know. Yeah, are they still cranking out like a lot of episodes a season? Yeah, yeah, they still have the standard uh, 22 oh uh, episodes, God. which is like crazy, right? <laughs> Considering Yeah, yeah, that that's how they do, they still do it. They're still stuck in that, you know, old way of doing this. Yeah, cuz it seems like South Park I at least would like to hope that Matt Stone or Matt yeah, Matt Stone and Trey Parker have the ability to kind of like keep their their seasons and their workload flexible and not right. just be stuck in that, you know, paradigm. Yeah, exactly. And and like um the whole thing too, uh, I don't watch all South Park episodes, but like, you know, when I I feel like they're touching upon like a subject matter I'm curious about, I dip into it and they really knock it out of the park. Whereas yeah, the Simpsons like they I mean the the whole weekly thing that um you know how they come up with the story with with South Park is is brilliant like I think they you know but sometimes it also misses you know that's why they the seasons are very inconsistent especially the later ones um but yeah with mm-hmm. the Simpsons they're just like so stuck in their ways and like um the problem now is really that you know the writers who were so good with that show to begin with have all left, you know? And I mean, obviously they, they needed to, cause they're just so much more talented, um, you know, than uh, they had to grow like Conan O'Brien, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, the guys who created, um, Frasier, you know, uh, but you know, one thing you've made me realize, Steve, is that I've, I've never actually watched like a finale of a sitcom. You know, like mm. the final episode. I've never seen the finale of Seinfeld. I've never seen the finale of Friends. And these were oh. shows that I would watch, you know, but I've never seen like their penult or their final episodes. Like I've never seen well, them. And some would argue that you shouldn't in a, in a, right. in a way. Like, because most comedies, I don't know of many comedies that that have a good finale. You know, right. like, there's, there's obviously fans. I think like MASH was, you would consider mm. MASH yeah, a, a comedy. Deal. Yeah, and a lot of people like Mash. A lot of people, I think, watch that finale. That that was mm-hmm. one of the highest rated things ever for right. a long time. But I also, I don't particularly find Mash that funny. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's more our parents' uh, generation. Yeah, I feel exactly. Like. <laughs> but yeah. um, yeah. What what is a good sitcom? I, oh, I, 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 I Cheers. I think Cheers okay. had a good finale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I am curious if if Frasier stuck to landing because it, it is one of the more consistent um, sitcoms. I feel like, and you never really hear about it like jumping the shark. Yeah. Uh, another one which is like I guess maybe even like, uh, uh, like a groundbreaking show because it paved the way for other shows. Maybe even paved the way for Eric Andre is um, uh, Larry Sanders show. Oh yeah. Um yeah. so I am curious and then I mean uh I guess if I am about to see a finale for a sitcom if you can call it that is um uh Curb Your Enthusiasm because they've said that this season is going to be the last one. Oh good. So we'll see cool. how they do the finale there and you know it's like you know it's it's now uh, Larry David's second go around of having a major comedy show wrap it up, you know. So we'll see. 
and I, I, I will just say too, just before we wrap up with Mary with Children, uh, man, uh, yeah, talking about childhood crushes. I mean, Peg Bundy was one of my crushes. Well, I Katie mean, Seagal is amazing, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like the the leopard print or cheetah print that she yeah. would wear. Like, man, yeah, that became spandex stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. kind of a thing and for like, me. <laughs> That was always one of the most confusing things of the show was that like in the, in the show, I feel like, so Al was not attracted to her anymore, <laughs> Yeah, which, which I guess, you know, that kind of can play just in, in just the, just the soup of the, uh, just a marriage. But right. then you, you also got a sense that like others in, in the general universe also didn't think that she was attractive. And that always kind of took like, yeah, was confusing to me was like, I was just like, Peg's a total babe. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's just her voice. I mean, like, even when she was um, the voice of Lilo in Futurama. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she just... And did she... Um, was she on um, King of the Hill, too? Oh. Um, I don't remember. Because, <laughs> it, like, I think King, King of the Hill, like, started... Oh, no, no, that's not... Her character's named Peggy, but no, it's uh, Kathy... Now, Jimmy, she's mm-hmm, Peggy yeah. Hill. <laughs> Sorry, they're just both wives the name Peg. I confuse the two, but but yeah, like her voice is Layla on Futurama, um, which I think yeah just about overlaps. Uh, you know, uh, like yeah, I found that attractive too, just listening to her voice. So yeah, yeah. and she, and she's kind of a badass too. Like she started off with like a music career, and mm. I think she was um, what's a, a rocks? A, I want to say yeah. a rock set. Or something like she was, yeah, she, she was a dancer or something. Oh. Right, and she was a backup vocalist. It says here for Bob Dylan and Edda James. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, a harlot. Yeah. She she was a member of Bette Midler's backup group, the Harlots. Oh wow! That's what there I'm you go. Of. Yeah, yeah. So like, so she had this really awesome career mm-hmm. going bef- before she did Married with Children, and um, yeah, like what a cool career she's had. My God. Yeah, and it's still going. She's still, you know, getting roles, so good for her. Totally. Yeah. Sons of Anarchy, the whole deal. Yeah, she's on The Connors, which is, you know, Roseanne without Roseanne. (laughs) And it's still (laughs) going for apparently, you know, like, wow, okay. You're continuing without your main star as a show. Man. Cool. All right. So for my next one. Um. Yeah, I'm going back to crime, but I wouldn't necessarily consider this to be completely a crime show. It's really more, I guess, conspiracy. Uh, Ooh. but it involves crime. It's one of the most violent shows. I just mentioned Banshee as a very violent show. This one is has really shocking violence in it. Um, and actually, this is a show that I would say, um, I'd love to cover actually on 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 movie food because I cool. think it has merits. Um, it only lasted for two seasons, but I'm I'm picking season one of Utopia. Utopia, and, okay. Yeah, and it's the British Utopia, not the American remake, uh, which is they're actually both on Amazon because Amazon has the rights or the uh, yeah the licensing for for Utopia. But I highly recommend. It's another show that got canceled way before its time. Like uh, season two ends on a cliffhanger, uh, so it's like we we never know what happens. But you know they canceled the American remake season one like right after because it was a dud. It was dead in water, um, and such a pointless remake too. Because uh, initially, actually, the first time I heard about this show was um, David Fincher 
was originally making the the American remake for HBO, mm. but it went way over budget, and you know uh, Fincher is very stubborn. I guess he learned from his experience of making Alien Three with with 20th Century Fox to like just stand your ground. So HBO wasn't willing to budge, so they had to cancel it. Like they ended up not mm. not making that. I would have loved to have seen the David Fincher version of Utopia, but the one that we have, the UK version, uh, which is uh, created by um, Dennis Kelly, and I think most of the episodes are directed by Mark Munden, uh, is incredible. You know, it, the the show is basically the premise of it is that there's this comic book. Um, or graphic novel that these, uh, you know, the these these group of people are a big fan of, and it's like a really rare comic book, and it it was apparently written by um, some guy who was like a crazed genius, and uh, there's something in the comic book that like I guess people don't want you to see, or that the government is after, and one of the members of this internet forum claims that they have a copy of this comic book called Utopia, so they all decide on this forum to meet up to like find this copy. But then it turns out that there's other people looking for it too. Mm. And you know, it's this whole conspiracy. We don't know who they are. There's two main guys who are basically like um, sadistic, psychopathic, like killers. So they're chasing after these group of people who met on an internet forum. And that's part of the fun is like, them kind of discovering how they all look like when they first meet. Um, mm. And um, and yeah, it's a brilliant show. It's like a, a, a chase show. So they're just basically being chased by these two guys and maybe this, this government conspiracy. Um, and it's just so well done. I mean, one of the things that, that I, I mentioned, the composer for White Lotus, um, Cristobal Tapia de Vere, he composed the score for Utopia, season, uh, the British show, both season one and two. And it's just brilliant. Like, it's mm, one of the cool. best scores I've ever heard. Like, it, there's nothing like it. It's it's like, the way I would describe it is it, it kind of taps into, like, dance hall reggae. But then it's also, like, classical percussive music. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's it's its own thing. Like I I think yeah, that's why he Cristobal is like one of the most unique composers we have. Um and uh yeah, it it it's so instrumental to the show. The other thing about the show that they did was actually like um uh because it's so dark and violent, the the approach that they did because it it is about a graphic novel is they they made it very colorful. Like, the colors really pop in the show, like, almost unrealistically. Like, the first thing we actually see is, like, kind of a lilac field. And the purples of the lilacs are just so, like, high contrast and boosted. Mm. Um, so, you really know, like, you're in this world where the color really stands out. Um, and, yeah, that was that was basically decided by the director, Mark Munden. And he created... He, I think he was he was really inspired by, by Hollywood musicals, like MGM musicals like that's where he draws from but it's like this really disturbing and violent show you know Sweet. um okay. yeah but yeah that, that's the thing it's every time we do like a tv show on movie food like we did with over the garden wall it ends up being like a four hour we might have to split it into two parts or maybe yeah. even three but I, I even have an idea for somebody who um we could have as a guest to discuss cool. this if 
if you're let's, down let's, for it. Let's add it to the list. I, I, okay. I love a good show. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. But yeah, primarily that's it. Season one of Utopia. Season two is is pretty good too. But like, yeah, that, that was the other weird thing about the show that it got canceled. It was also starting to taper off a little bit. Um, so maybe it's better that it ends on a cliffhanger, but you know, who knows how, what was Dennis Kelly's like original vision of how it was all going to end? You know, we'll never know. (laughs) So cool. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Okay. So Utopia season one. Season one. Yeah. Good. So what do you have next, Steve? All right. Um, next I'm going another classic. I'm going Game of Thrones. Ooh. Season six. Whoa! No way. Okay. Yeah, way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was a season I had already dropped off watching. So what? Is, what is it about season six? It's... So season six, you st- so Game of Thrones was notorious. Every season, four terrible things would happen for every one good thing. You know, like and so gotcha. it was a real slog. Like as a viewer, it was like, why am I watching this? Like all this terrible stuff is happening. And yeah, there's like a little breadcrumb, you know, there's dragons or Danny is doing something fun or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever it is. But finally, when you get to season six, you start to get a little better. The ratios get a little better. Um, And so in this season is where Arya starts her, her assassin training. Gotcha. And, And by the end of the season, spoiler alert, she ends up getting revenge on the phrase who did some bad stuff in season three, which is my favorite season. Yeah. Season three is, is pretty nasty. No doubt. Um, you also find out that the red woman, uh, Melisandre. Yeah. You you find out that she's actually super old. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Cause yeah, the Um, the actress who plays her, it's her name. Clarice Van Houten is stunning. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you, you find out why Hodor is Hodor. Why? Oh shit! That that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was that's that, okay. that's in season six. John Damn. gets his revenge on Ramses and the Boltons. And uh, oh, in a pre- th- is this in a the Battle of the Bastards? Battle of the thing? Bastards is okay, in season yeah, six. Th- yeah, I saw that episode. Yeah. For okay. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. then ultimately, it ends with Danny finally forming her army and flying and heading towards Westeros for the big. Sh- showdown man um, the longest journey ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's part of the reason why i dropped off of the show was just like how long it was taking danny to get to to westeros yeah. like it, it was it, just it, like what's well, so funny yeah. it takes her six seasons to get it cracking and then really once you get to season seven and because i think that's when the writers got past where george rr R. martin was on the books you can oh. really tell and see the last two seasons, which 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 really were one season kind of split in two. Um, yeah, you can tell that that it felt like it, the show became lost. Yeah, for sure. The writing totally changed. The speed at which characters could travel drastically changed. <laughs> like they they'd be in one area one episode and 
you know, hop, skip, and a jump, and they're they're all the way up at the wall in the next episode or whatever. You know, whereas like in the first couple seasons, it took a whole season for a character to go from point A to point B. You know, what right? I mean? Yeah, and I mean that's such a big part of the show is its sense of mm-hmm. geography, and I mean that's what the the opening credits kind of show is like how yeah. far things are from each other. Right. I mean, yeah, it is one of the great like opening credit sequences of any show. Yeah. Yeah. Great one. Yeah. Um, a, great theme tune too. We can't forget it. And like, you know, the, the kind of brought those feelings back again with because people are raving about House of the Dragon. And I started watching it, but I dropped off mid season. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, I don't care. I, <laughs> I yeah. just didn't. I was like, I'm good. Like, I, I realized, like, after I think, because I, I didn't even get to the time jump part, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I like the cast uh, as the older um, characters, too, because, you know, um, uh, it's Olivia Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, I think with, with Game... Um, this is one of, like, those let this be a lesson to all, you know, show creators of, like, how, you know, a show can just really, like, crash and burn yeah, terribly. Because <laughs> season 8 is, like, the shining example that, that yeah. people use. Um, yeah. But... I think actually, um, uh, uh, they started deviating from the books uh, in season. Maybe they 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 used like some of the the book stuff for season six, but it was, um, that that's the thing. Like I, in uh, I think George R. R. Martin's chronology, Jon Snow is dead. Yeah, he mm. hasn't brought him back to life uh, like right. they have on the show. Um, so that that's the thing that they were kind of teasing, like when Kit Harrington was saying, like, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, as far as I know, I'm dead, you mm-hmm. know. But like, I think um, George R. R. Martin still kind of guided them and stuff. But I think, yeah, that you're you're tapping into wh- with all those things of the the characters' behaviors not making any more sense in in the later seasons. It really is because they had the books to fall back on. You right. know that was their foundation, but it, it's clear that D and D, you know, the two Davids, or um, no, is the other guy David too? Yeah, uh, yeah. Benioff and uh, DB Coop. Uh, no, what is his last name? Um, I'm oh, blanking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those two D guys, D and D. Weiss. Yeah, David Weiss. Um, yeah. like those two guys, like yeah, they they're clearly lost in terms of. They didn't have when when they didn't have that foundation anymore to fall back on because at least you know I think George R. R. Martin uh, I've never read the books but it just seems like he's thought all of that stuff out right. yeah. so um, but they didn't because there's that whole thing like one of the more more memeable things in season eight was like oh I guess Danny forgot that you know those dragons were in the sky and you know, <laughs> it's like the, that whole attack that happens in in season eight the ambush mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and then. And then the the whole formation in front of um uh when they're uh who's the Night King when did they have that battle mm-hmm. like doesn't make any sense like you know there's all these things that just uh, yeah became ridiculous and well deserving of ridicule I think in the later yeah. seasons but yeah and then partly I guess my own own thing too was just like yeah that that's why I I actually really just dropped off after season three because. Yeah, the red wedding—you just can't top it, man. Like, how do you yeah, you come back from that sh- that that finale, which is just so incredible? Yeah. Um. And yeah, they they did start that thing. I mean, it's not even the final episode, right, of that season. It's the because no, no that was the 
the whole pattern that Game of Thrones did that it was always the penultimate episode that had like some crazy thing happen like uh but I remember like I had no interest in the show but it was like such a big deal like people were talking about it at work and yeah. I didn't even know who they were talking about and like they're saying like oh yeah he had the chainmail underneath his uh I was like, what the fuck? And then they started yeah. playing that song. And I was like, okay, I got to watch this. And then uh, the girl I was dating at that time, she had seen it. And she was telling me like, yeah, you can't just watch that episode. Like, you got to start from the beginning, you know, because then there's more yeah. weight to it. And I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah. so I did. So I started from the beginning. But yeah, after that, I don't know. I, I think also because the show is just so talky and it's more about like strategic things and then you know there's a little bit of violence or a little bit of sex to keep you keep things go- right. moving along like yeah that that wasn't enough to really hold my interest as much as other people were but yeah i understand why it was like such a phenomenon so yeah i would just dip in like you know i was like oh yeah. battle of the bastards is a good episode and also i fucking hated ramsey so yeah i was happy to see him kind of yeah. finally get his comeuppance you know yeah um, no, no doubt yeah. it's um it's a it's a show that I I really only watch like I watched the first three seasons over maybe actually the first four over mm-hmm. Malika's shoulder like she was watching gotcha. it and I was just kind of like I I wasn't that I wasn't that into it until I was into it you know what I mean mm. like and so it it definitely takes a while because again it's just I don't like going to that style of uh, you know you know of you know that just that brutal nasty era right of of anything. Yeah. Even if it's a fantasy, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And I mean, you know, in terms of medieval, like, gore and stuff, like, there, there's movies that I really like that already have done it so much better than Game of Thrones. So, you know, and I think one that they've drawn a lot of inspiration from is uh, Excalibur, mm. which I think is... Actually, the two medieval movies that I like are, are both King Arthur legends. Oh, cool. You know, so it's Excalibur, which, you know, focuses on King Arthur, and then... um. The other one is uh, Lancelot of the Lake. And they're both, like, very gory medieval <laughs> movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think they just do it so much better than Game of Thrones. And, again, yeah, they, it just goes to show once they lost the source material, like, yeah, they didn't know what to do. So <laughs> they really... Well, what yeah, they did them. was, let's wrap this up quick, you yeah. know, and, and, um, and that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Awful. Cool. All right, cool. so I guess yeah, that that's it. I got I, I'm I'm at my five. Nice. And then this is gonna be your five. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go with something completely different from everything I've mentioned before. Uh, it's uh, Joe Para talks to you. Uh, talks with you. Oh Season yeah, you, three. You've mentioned this one. Okay, cool. Oh man, Steve. Yeah, I love this show so much. And uh, again, like yeah, these yeah. shows can be in any order, but at this point yeah. in time, like this is my number one. Um, and the reason being, again, we it's a running theme. Another show that got canceled before its time. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the hell Adult Swim is doing. Them, like why they canceled it. It's such a great show. Like it has its own unique aesthetics. It's mm-hmm. a calming show. You know, every episode, uh, other than the, I think the the finale of each season is is only eleven minutes. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I think the finale they they extend to half an hour, so they have a little more time. Um, but yeah, it's just so well done. It's like I, I was not expecting this. So um, if people aren't familiar, Joe Para is like 
uh, a unique comedian. He does stand up, but he he has like this midwestern home homely approach, and it's like mm-hmm. so his humor is very left field. I mean, it's totally my thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's really it. Like it, it's like um, so uh, I guess an example of a a Joe Para bit is like you know um how many trees tall do you think i am you know it's like that's something he would ask yeah. and he asks it in like this gentle way and then he also has like this kind of uh this posture where it's kind of like he's, he's uh it's a terrible posture he's like hunched over and then um you know he's, he's his neck is jutting out and mm-hmm. like you know but yeah it's just it, the way he does uh, like one of the things that kind of first made him go viral is a uh, Joe Para talks you to sleep and mm. um Adult Swim even extended that video to be like 11 hours long so you can l- actually listen to it oh to fall God. asleep too <laughs> Rad. and um he actually currently has a podcast um which is all about like um putting you to sleep and I don't know why there hasn't been like a um you know, like a partnership with like Casper or some other mattress company. Yeah, totally. So like, yeah, because yeah. uh, you know it, it's perfect for him because he has that gentle voice and yeah, it's all this Midwestern, um, <laughs> you know, values. So like, um, uh, in in the show, it it's set like in in rural Michigan, and each episode is basically there is like a, an ongoing thing where there's these repeated cast of characters and. And some like small like plot events, but mainly it's just like like uh, Joe Para talks to you about breakfast, you know, uh, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Or like uh, the very first episode that a friend shared with me actually was um, uh, where Joe Para like discovers um, Baba O'Reilly by the Who, mm-hmm. and like he becomes obsessed with it. Um, and I think the title of that episode is like Joe Para um, talks to you at church or something. So. He he comes up to like do the church announcements, but then he mentions how great Baba O'Reilly is, <laughs> and like you know because he hears it on the radio for the first yeah. time, and then he keeps calling the the radio station is to request it again, you know, to play it. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Um, and yeah, so the the thing about the show, like it has like its own unique aesthetic, like the way it looks. Nothing else looks like it. Like it. Uh, it's hard to describe the way it looks, but yeah, it, it's it's kind of calming um, to just watch these images. You know, it has its mm. kind of own slow aesthetic. Um, my friend and friend of the show, um, Marcus Pin, you know, he does these side by sides, and he actually has done Joe Para side by sides with Chantal Ackerman, and Joe Para himself, like you know, gave it a thumbs up, like he actually endorsed oh, it. Oh, sweet! You know, but there. Uh, that yeah, even the score that they use for it, um, fascinating too. You know, I mentioned Bob O'Reilly by the Who. Um, are you familiar, Steve, with this website called TuneFind? No. Okay. okay, so TuneFind is like this resource where basically, if you're wondering what that song is that plays in the show, you find oh, it on wow. TuneFind. Yeah, so it actually lists it, and but you know, it's all like um, community sourced, so it's not like one person running the site. So. Sometimes it would just have the list of songs or sometimes it would be like, um, you know, people would actually say, oh, it happens over this scene. So um, crazy enough, Joe Para Talks With You is not on TuneFind. <laughs> so if you're looking for the songs that play and Joe oh. Para, you won't find it on TuneFind. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, okay. So why season three? Uh, I mean, it is. Uh, it wasn't intended to be the last season of Joe Para uh, talks with you, but that's how it ended. Um, and I, I had to highlight it because uh, it has. Like, they were really coming into their own, you know? I mean, it, they had an idea of what they wanted to do and, like, what the aesthetic of the show was going to be. But there's something that comes full circle in this season that they didn't do in the, the initial seasons. Even though, like, season two has, like, a major, like, life event that happens. Um, and it, it kind of has a ripple effect through season three. Uh, but um, with season three, it was like, okay... Now we know who we are as a mm. show, and you know I have to give credit. It's yeah. not just Joe Para; it's like the the guy who directs almost all the episodes, uh, Marty Shushbo, I think is how his last name is pronounced. I'm, forgive me if I'm murdering it. Um, and then uh, he has a frequent collaborator, uh, Nathan Min. He co-writes some of the episodes, and Connor O'Malley, man, you know who? Who I'm glad he's found like uh, a second life on um, uh, Tim Robinson's. Uh, I think you should leave. Yeah, you know, and he's, he's basically playing the same character. He was hilarious in um uh in his one episode in uh, Broad City as well, by the way. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, Connor O'Malley's great. Like he's basically pl- playing that shouty out of control guy <laughs> but you know he's like joe Perez's neighbor okay. um yeah and he he's brilliant um but yeah so the the season three begins with um uh joe para talks with you about like uh sitting in a chair and then it ends with him building his own chair you know so there mm-hmm. is that whole full circle thing and the um uh one episode in the middle of the season is called Joe Para takes flight and it it's mainly just focusing on a drone flying over this small town where Joe Para lives you know and it's it's beautiful you know um the drone shot is just like one of the most gorgeous things i've ever mm. seen like it it flies over like this abandoned pier mm-hmm. and like this pier has like this tunnel that's kind of like a cathedral and it flies through that, and it's just, like, so gorgeous. And then eventually it flies over the, the neighborhood. And one of the shocking things, actually, about that episode, too, was I don't recall any other episode where Joe Para curses. Oh. <laughs> but he curses in this he episode. He breaks and, the seal. Wow. Yeah, and it was like I had to rewind it to make sure and then put on the subtitles. And I was like, did he really say shit? And he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was like a punchline too because it was like he was talking about like this abandoned apartment and like mm-hmm. uh, abandoned airfield. And he was saying like how the airfield like basically covered over um, one of the best blueberry fields in the Midwest. And then he says, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, because I also remember, you know, how like uh, another weird TV thing is that you get the rating of the TV show at the top. Uh, mm-hmm. like left-hand corner, and then sometimes it tells you what it is. And before it used to be those codes of TVMA, and then it has like LSV or something underneath. Um, so this one it was like uh, it said I th- I think it said TV fourteen, but then for coarse language. Oh, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, because good. he says shit. Um, yeah, and and just to bring up Marcus again, it's interesting because, uh, you know. The show getting canceled was such a shock to me because uh, 
I, I was just like, oh, I thought this show was just going to keep going because it had kind of a cult following. You know, it had like Reddit threads and stuff like that. Um, and people were posting stuff online. And then when it ended, I actually forgot how it ended, you know, the the final episode. So I had to rewatch the episode uh, just before we did this show well, as I was preparing for this uh, episode. And Marcus told me, like, he said, like, yeah, you know, the way the show ends, like, it, it's eerily, like, that was just a, a weird way for it. I mean, it, it felt like what a strange way to end. Mm. And um, I think he misremembered it <laughs> because it's a lot more open-ended than I think what he mentioned because he, oh. what he told me, because I was like, yeah, remind me again, how did it end? And he told me, like, so he, he he's built this chair, beautiful chair, by the way, that he like carves out of wood mm-hmm. and like puts resin over. And then uh, he, yeah, actually, I won't spoil the ending too much because it's it's a surprise yeah. for one of the characters. And I think when you get around to watching it, Steve, sure. I think the ending might also like this point It'll of hit. the ending might yeah. yeah might hit you a little bit. But so he plops down this chair, and um. And what Marcus told me was that when he sits down on the chair, he starts crying. And I was like, what? Did he break character? Is that like, like what, mm. what happened? Like, because you never see him really showing emotions. And, and this is the thing why I want to tie back to actually why Ted Lasso sucks, <laughs> too. It's like, you know, Joe Para is also a show about like being kind and decent. Mm-hmm. But you don't, you know, you don't get any explanation why Joe Para is the way he is. Like, he's not like, trying to you know hide some sort of past trauma or like compensate for it it's just like that's just his character you know and some people are just like that you know so like him crying at the end would have just been like wow like you know and i so i had to go back and i was like yeah i gotta watch this i don't don't remember that and that's not what happens (laughs) he doesn't he doesn't cry at the end like it's not it's not even ambiguous it's not like oh maybe he started crying or sobbing uh like man marcus you you misremembered the ending of the show um yeah yeah like i I wonder what he what show he was watching or like what no what what memory like wiped over onto this yeah Yeah. it's really strange but i mean it it's still kind of ambiguous the way it ends, but like not that and not in that way. Like not it's, in that way. Okay. Yeah, the final shot is is something else, not, especially now that cool. we know that that's that's it. You know, the show yeah. may never come back, but it's it's a show that you know Adult Swim can still turn it around. Like this is a show that you can cut, bring back like five years from now because you know Joe Para, I think he's our age, but he. <laughs> He kind of acts like he's older. He acts know? like an old guy. Yeah. 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 Like right an old. Now, yeah. yeah. Like he's an old man trapped in a young man's body. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he like for for him to grow older and continue to do this show would be amazing. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do, yeah. do you think he could do it without the a network? Uh, I think the only problem is the exposure. Like, you know, where would it be seen? But I yeah. think he could. Because, I mean, he does a lot of, like, independent... Like, what he's doing right now is actually he he tours. And um, they're not quite stand-up acts. Like, he has this thing where it's like a, a DVD showcase. Oh. <laughs> which I also love. It's part of the old-timey thing of just, like, yeah, DVDs are now old-timey. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, he he did that because uh, he's actually based out of New York, even though he's very Midwestern. So um, uh, he does a lot of shows in New York that were like that, um, especially like I guess during uh, early days of um, 
when people were starting to go out again, he was doing those shows. But uh, yeah, I I think those like are always sold out. So he's he's getting enough support. I I think if he went independently, I mean the the show doesn't look like it costs that much to make, you know. Um, but maybe it's all hidden because you know obviously like there's cer- there's certain scenes that like take place in a diner or a, um, a, a furniture store is very pivotal in in season three, you know. Um, so I don't know. Uh, maybe they could, it, you know, if they they were able to find the the funds or maybe even just um raise it like um crowdfunding, mm-hmm. you know. So sweet, yeah. But yeah, it's such a shame. Season it ends in three seasons. But yeah, three perfect seasons. Uh, talk about a show that also like is flawless. I feel like you can watch any of these episodes any time of the day too. You can watch it at night. You can watch it in the middle of the day. They're just perfect. You know, love it. Cool. All right. Okay. So Steve, right. what is your final season? So, so my final that was in my top five we already mentioned. So I'm gonna. Ooh. So it it was White Lotus season one. Oh so, man! Because of that, I'm gonna bump up one of my uh, honorable mentions. Okay. Into this slot, but this is so it's not in my top five, but it's definitely worth discussing. It's a major part of my upbringing. It's probably a show that a lot of people in our peer group have watched. It is Saved by the Bell season <laughs> nice. three. Oh wow! So season three, though this goes all the way back to 1991, and uh, and, and again, uh, similar to a lot of these syndicated shows, uh, really, the seasons all kind of blend together. Right, that's like, how I feel. Know. Yeah, it's like I can't really distinguish other than like the new class. Exactly. So let yeah. me. So this is the season where they get the summer jobs and they go to the beach resort. This oh, is this where a, they go to Palm Springs like that? Um, it, oh, I, oh no, 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 that's not that's a different. No, one. Th- this is when they go to the Malibu Sands with oh, Stacy Carosi slash Leah Remini. Yeah, it's like the the they have those polo shirts with the green trim, yep. and then uh, Kelly Kapowski in the green swimsuit. Oh man! <laughs> it just, yeah, season three, hell season yeah, season three, baby, yeah, yeah. Come on, oh, let's get into man, it. Oh man, I gotta rewatch this shit. Yeah, and then and then when they get back uh, in at the Bayside, they have there's so the whole ch- season it takes place. No, there? Oh, that okay. was just that was just how it started off. It was, oh, was, it starts gotcha. off there. But then, but then you you get some classic school apps. You get the chess competition with Screech and a Russian exchange student kind of square. Oh, off. I forgot about that one. You get you get the episode where they get fake IDs and they sneak into the club, the attic, and mm-hmm. um and this is the one with Patrick Muldoon, or I think he's like skeezing on um on Kelly, which is fun. This is where they discover oil on campus, and the oil kind of comes out and it kills a duck, and they have to like <laughs> take care of that duck. Um, oh, it's, it's also the mall there, the mall episode where they're, they're trying to get you two tickets at a mall <laughs> and they discover $5,000 like in a bag and they have to hide in the mall cause they're being chased by mobsters that are looking for this stashed money. And it ends up being, it's actually just a big like hidden camera show that they're like a part of. Oh man, I'm I'm just looking it up right now. Yeah. It does actually have the Palm Springs episodes Ooh, in good. it. Man, dude, what a pick! Like this season is like three. if you're if you're gonna pick one season of Saved by the Bell, this is it, man. This is it it's has good. everything in it. 
It has uh, well the one the one thing it's missing is some is some is like the uh, the Jesse uh, I'm so excited I'm so excited thing. Gotcha. Um, but it's got it's got the Zack Attack mockumentary. <laughs> Amazing. It's got cut day and it ends. The season mm-hmm. ends with a murder mystery episode, I believe. If it, wow, yeah, and there's there's even like a two part Christmas episode within this oh, season. Yeah, I mean, Christmas this Christmas episode's good. Yeah, this season's twenty six episodes long. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what's yeah. insane is NBC, those bastards, really mm. milked. They really milked this cast, and like, right. I think none of them got paid well. They oh, were sucks. and so I think. You know, props to any of them that were able to salvage a career. Many of them actually did. Yeah. If not, in fact, all of them. I think only Dustin Diamond had like really, really like a tough, tough time. Yeah. He, dealing he kind with... of went in the like reality TV pipeline. Kind yeah. Because because I think a lot of his opportunities had dried up, and mm. that was all that was left. And yeah, you can see it's like, God, he's such a big part of these five seasons or so. Um, right, but yeah. So I only have one audio clip pulled from this season. It's from the episode where um, Johnny Dakota, an actor, comes to the school to uh, shoot an anti-drug commercial, and so it's like really heavy-handed. You know what they were going for here. This is again ninety-one, and you're even gonna hear. I, th- I think the president of NBC in this clip. Here you go. Nice. Dumb. Stupid. Crazy. Dangerous. Stinks. In one word, would I use dope? Nope. Hi, I'm Brandon Tartikoff, chairman of NBC Entertainment. And I've got a hit idea for the new fall season. Don't do drugs. (laughs) There's no hope with dope. Yeah. Oh, I love how they start with all the like stupid, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the, all those like uh, just say no, yeah. like oh, it's, promotional shit, it dude. Sucks, like, um, dude, it totally sucks. Yeah. What was the 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 parent the there was like a parent like group that was against drugs. What were they called oh, again? Do you remember? Oh, right. Uh, mothers against drugs was ma'am? it mad or something yeah, mad mad no mad. no that was mothers against drug drivers but yeah oh okay what but was yeah. the the drug one dare there was like a, a was it dare yeah maybe yeah yeah I, that was like a shirt too that yeah. you would see people like wearing the dare shirt like. yeah i remember somehow i had a like i think they must have passed them out because i ended up with a dare shirt at some point yeah but yeah it's oh, crazy. Oh man. Whereas like yeah. now, yeah, is there any anti drug stuff going on now? Like, <laughs> no, I mean now yeah, we're we're going the opposite direction. Like legalizing baby. Legal. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know. Um Yeah. It's it's like a it's like a blurred line now. It's like we don't even know like what it what's like legal or or not at this point, you yeah, know. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, with shows uh, like Euphoria or whatever, it's like... Right, know. yeah, where it's kind of just... Yeah, it's actually showing, well, yeah, you can actually have a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like the um, the um, uh, the Bill Hicks part where oh, <laughs> he yeah. has a bit about, like, yeah, like, you know, if, if you hate drugs, like, throw away all your CDs, you know? Right. Because all, all, all your favorite musicians real fucking high on drugs. Exactly. <laughs> 
turns out there there is hope with dope. Yeah. Yeah, there is hope with dope. <laughs> just don't let it let it uh, you know take away from everything. That's right. Else. Just have fun. It's yeah, moderation, it's a recreational friends. thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, man. Like this makes me want to watch the season uh, again. <laughs> I, I don't think I've I've seen it all the way through. It's like you know, again, it's like yeah, with TV shows in the past, it's like if you caught it, that was it, you know. But if you didn't, then it, you know, maybe you can catch a replay. But like to watch an, a, a whole season, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, even with The Simpsons, which I loved so much, like I, I would miss certain episodes of of that too because it's just I timing. It's just, um, I, 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 just the issue with Saved by the Bell. Well, one, I think, I, I think, I think they're all up on Hulu. I think is where you would want to stream. Right. It. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to mention too, just while we're at it. Um, don't trust the bee. Uh, in apartment uh-huh. twenty three is also on Hulu, oh. and so is Married with Children. Oh, dang. So. Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Hulu is where we got to spend our, uh, some some cash here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, with Say by the Bell, this is a show unlike Married with Children, which I think we could watch and still get some laughs from. I think it might be time and place. Like, I don't know mm. if some of this stuff is going to hold up. And so, um, you know, especially the drama of it all. Like, you kind of have to be 11 years old <laughs> <laughs> to like get into the drama saved by the bell but right but i mean it's definitely w- worth a shot gotcha yeah i mean i i, I can't wait to revisit yeah, it especially totally. the malibu episode the malibu sand, <laughs> so, yeah man yeah that was such a classic trope of tv shows too when they would like you know leave the studio a uh, sitcoms in particular they leave the studio and it would always be like some sort of beach outing right. and you would still you know? have the same laugh track and I, as a kid i was always <laughs> left curious where does that come from yeah like where where's the audience like how is this happening yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man cool. well yeah that was a great pick steve cool. to wrap things okay. up i think Whew. yeah um yeah so we made it again um so you know following our old format we usually end with um with wine pairings but since you know it's like we're we're doing tv shows i thought what we could do is like recommend each other mm-hmm. a tv show sure. based on what we've picked so yeah so, so i'm looking at your list so you got the wire mm-hmm. nathan for you fargo eric andre utopia oh, uh, nathan for you is a five out of five oh. show but it's not on my got seasons oh, okay cool <laughs> so j- yeah. just in looking at these the one that i i would recommend because you like joe para and because you like mm-hmm. eric andre and then nathan for you as a as an outlier i would mm-hmm. re- recommend giving comedy bang bang a shot um, okay. Maybe just watch like so the first it, the first season. Um, it's is it like a skit show? Is it they they actually have a video? Because I I know it as a podcast. Right. I didn't know so that they actually had a show. yeah. So at some point, and this also happened to Mark Marin. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I, I actually like that show. Like yeah. The Mark Marin show. The, yeah. The independent film channel IFC. They yeah. were giving podcast people money to produce a show. <laughs> And so Amazing. they came to Scott Ackerman to produce a comedy bang bang action, an actual TV show that was based on the podcast. Oh. So they did five seasons. Um, and so it's, you know, it's Scott, it's Reggie Watts. And then they have a, they have a celebrity guest and then they have a comedian playing a character much like the podcast. And that's kind of every gotcha. episode. And then there's also like a narrative through line. That's not like something dumb that's happening. So it's um 
I, the only issue is I have no idea how to watch it. So if you can find it, mm. it's probably um, it, yeah. I would recommend. It seems like it would be something that's that's on Netflix because yeah. they, they also used to have the Marin show on sure. there. And you know why? Um, like they started giving these shows out, right? Um, it was a, it, it's another show that I actually really love. Um, uh, Louis. That's a right. big reason yeah. why. Why, um, you know, they, they started giving, like, the reason why Marin's exists. And, oh, man, it's on AMC+. Plus. <laughs> I yeah. don't have that. Looks like you can stream, find a couple so. episodes on, like, Daily Motion. Um, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah. So maybe, so maybe go to one of these, like, sites and just, like, watch an app. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I like that the titles of the episodes are the celebrity guest and what they're wearing. What they're wearing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it's, brilliant. It's good. That's like the the trope of the Friends, where like uh, Friends episodes where the titles are always like the one where mm. blah blah blah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was actually pretty ingenious cool. on their part. All right, and for you, I would recommend uh, for wine pairing. Um, I'll say I would recommend the show Severance. Ooh, okay. Uh, which uh, is also on Apple TV. Uh, if you want to catch up with mm. <laughs> with Ted Lasso and uh, Severance on <laughs> with your free trial okay. of, of Apple TV, yeah, uh, Severance is a better show, and it also is like a show. Well, right now things are kind of up in the air with it mm-hmm. for two reasons: one, the writers' strike, and then the second thing is there's been these rumors that the the show's creators are at odds with each oh, other. No. Yeah, but like people are kind of assuaging it, assuaging it, and also because um Ben Stiller is such a big part of the show, mm-hmm. uh not in front of the screen but behind the camera, uh he's he directed the the pilot and then uh, a few more episodes of the show and and it's brilliant it's 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 like very darkly humorous, um you know it has Adam Scott oh cool as the lead guy it's it's a great cast um but yeah Adam Scott is the guy who leads it but I actually I think um, John Turturro and Christopher Walken are are really amazing in it too and it, I think it it ticks the boxes of like uh, a modern like you know high class you know high production value TV show but it's also darkly funny you know, it, I think it's really the first like really great show that I've seen from Apple, um, and and you know with with their standards and uh, you know it's something that we can all relate to because mm-hmm. we've all had like that office job and like that idea of of separating you know work life and you know um, social life. Uh, it it has a very unique take on it, you know. Cool. So, um, yeah, I would definitely recommend Severance to All you. Right. All right. That sounds like a, a winner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess just one more question for you, Steve, before we head out. Um, uh, I wanted to ask, are there any shows that, um, you know, you, you tend to go by the the recommendation pipeline from other people, mm-hmm. but are there any shows that um, you're, you've been meaning to, to get to, get around to watching? Hmm. A lot, a lot of stuff is like, in like the family verse, so you gotcha. know we're gonna start ripping off, um, I guess some like anime. Okay. This summer, um, nice. but as far as like other shows, we're 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 trying to like to like watch less, you know, and like <laughs> no, and, that makes sense. And <laughs> like and like actually 
when something bubbles up that's like of interest, then let, like put our energy there. Are you finding things still? Yeah, I mean, for me, like I'll, I'll dip my toe in yeah. to different shows, you know. But like, yeah, it, it's got to hook me. Like, there's got to be something that that keeps me going. But you know, sometimes it's like uh, it may not be the right time for me to really get into a show. Like, you know, a, a perfect example of that is um, is Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. So now I feel like I'm ready to watch it. Um, and yeah, so that that is one yeah. of them. But uh, I've I've always been meaning to watch. I, I and I watched the first episode a long time ago, but I just didn't pick it up again, uh, which I'm kind of regretting now. I should mm-hmm. get back to it. Is another Netflix show because you know, like we're saying, like Netflix, their international stuff is is far better than mm-hmm. the American stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have this German show. You've probably heard of it. It's called Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah, and I know Amanda's a big fan of that show. So um, yeah, I, I definitely want to get into Dark. Um, uh, I've also wanted to watch Party Down. Have you ever seen Party Down? Uh, let me look at it real quick. It's, oh yeah, it's, with, uh, with, yeah, with with Adam Scott. Yeah, and um, uh, Jane Lynch and um, uh, Martin Starr, who I'm also a big yeah. fan of. Yeah, he's in a couple of shows I really love, like Silicon Valley and Freaks and Geeks. Holy. Um and then uh, uh Ken Marino <laughs> as well from Legend. the state yeah. and you know Wet Hot American Summer. Um so yeah Party Down is a show and uh, like I I know it's one of those shows that like got canceled and like they they brought it back and apparently the the, the new season's pretty good even mm, though cool. I I don't think it's it's yeah you have to sign up for one of those lesser <laughs> um yeah, subscriptions to be able to watch it. I think it's Peacock or something. Stars, or, or maybe something. Showtime. Yeah. Oh, Stars, yeah. So that's even more obscure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I will just say, I guess another honorable mention. Stars does have like one of my all-time favorite shows as well. Um, and it's worth getting the trial just to watch it. Is the Girlfriend Experience, um, the TV show, not the the movie by Steven Soderbergh, but it was inspired by that. Like the first two seasons of of Girlfriend Experience are incredible. Oh, really? Okay. Um. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and um. Yeah, I guess I I've also just I I didn't even realize it until I started picking it up again. I've been meaning to watch uh, finish Eastbound and Down. <laughs> like that's a great show. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I I didn't even realize that I'd only seen season one. Because like so many things happened in season one mm-hmm. that I didn't, I was, I was like, man, I thought I had seen like maybe three seasons already. <laughs> but it turned out that everything that I remember was all from season one. Because season two is the one where he goes down to Mexico, right? And I was yeah. like, man, like yeah, I I haven't seen season two. Like I've only started it, man. So. Yeah, and I, you know, we're big, uh, you know, Danny McBride fans totally. on the show. So yeah. Um, definitely want to get into I've, that. Like, I'll watch clips from season one over and over. Like all the Will Ferrell <laughs> stuff. Like, it's oh just, man, as a car salesman, God, so good. Down in my plums. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's one clip that I can't. I I haven't been able to find. Like nobody's clipped it on YouTube, which is the. Um, uh, I guess because it's probably too explicit, but it's like the part where um he find. It's his ex, right? Who's also a teacher, mm-hmm. um, who's now dating the the principal, and like they finally have like this time to like be alone. Like I think it's taking place during a party, 
And then he he suddenly like decides like oh no 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 we shouldn't do that and then she's like did you just come in your pants yeah <laughs> that's exactly what happened yeah it's like no no this is wrong <laughs> yeah 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 I can't so I can't good. find that clip I anywhere it, but think, like yeah that. yeah is that yeah that's either in the first season or the beginning of the second season it, I definitely, it's, it's in the first yeah I because yeah. that's why I would remember it because so I haven't funny. seen the second season so yeah. funny. Oh, my oh God. man. And yeah, I mean, his his other shows on HBO 2 are great. I mean, you know, he, he's coming back for a new season of Righteous Gemstones. And I, I love that he only envisioned Vice Principles to be two seasons and that's it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I would recommend Vice Principles to you, Steve, oh, if good. you haven't seen it. Cool. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's a great Danny McBride and Walter Goggins um uh, Walton? Or is it Walter? I'm walking. It's gotta be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like they're just great. They have insane chemistry. <laughs> like they're totally. just brilliant. Ah, oh, love it. All right, so we got through it. The Woo. TV episode five. We picked five seasons, and I we thought think. we had we had a good mix there. I thought we, you know, yeah, like of you know going. I think going back to even to to maybe even the late '80s or the early '90s, and then I'll cut yeah. I'm glad up. you really yeah. pulled it back because I just realized all my picks are from this century. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any picks from from the nineties. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you you yeah. brought in. I that love in. Lucy season four. Yeah, I got <laughs> Twin Peaks. Yeah. Let's just bring that up. There yeah. we go. Season three. Well, that's this century, but you know. Yeah. Um, I got you. All right, so you, you want to do our Let, housekeeping? Let's get into some housekeeping. Uh, you can follow us. Follow the show. We're on Twitter. At Movie Food Pod, Carlos at Carlo Kino. You follow me at Steve Positron. Support the show. Help us keep the lights on uh, at our Patreon, patreon.com slash movie food. Follow Carlo, all of his watching at his letterboxed at Astrofish, F I S C H. You can follow me. Uh, you can follow my YouTube channel at Pit Hits. I think there's actually an underscore in there at Pit underscore Hits. And that is it. We did it. All right. Woo. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank also our listeners and our new followers. You know, Steve, we actually crossed the 50 follower Whoa. threshold on Twitter. That's big. <laughs> so. Shout yeah, out. even though a lot of them are bots. <laughs> bots. Yeah, a handful of them are, are cam girl bots. Uh, <laughs> cool. But yeah, we appreciate it. Like, all, welcome all the new listeners <laughs> yeah. and um, new followers yeah. of the show. Thank and, you for the support. And shout out to like just all of our friends. You know, like we have we have quite a, a network of just like movie loving friends, supportive friends that want to you know help support the show and be part of the movie club and the kind of listen into every app or, or catch them from time to time thank you we appreciate it all right yeah thank you all right steve that's another classic in the books are we at the four hour mark oh almost there okay <laughs> all, right. There. all right maybe next time all right all right okay bye-bye all right bye <laughs>